The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Welcome to Drive Through episode number 18. This is our monthly recap where we've put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now let's pull up to the window number one for some automotive news. And tonight, we're going to party like it's 99. 1999? You're only couple decades late no no our 99th break fix episode can you believe it and guess what folks rejoining us tonight is the one the only our resident viking the return of the brad what's up brad (laughs) what's going on everybody i'm glad to be back i see that our listenership has grown so much during the time that i was gone i thought maybe i should just stay away Is that how it goes? Is that how it works? That's, uh, you guys did so well when I was gone that I thought maybe I just won't come back. You know, speaking of things that might not be coming back, that's actually our showcase this month. In honor of the winter recap, I think we need to talk about cars that are headed to the graveyard for 2022. If we're going to talk about cars that are headed to the graveyard, can we also talk about cars that should be headed to the graveyard? Absolutely. So what's on this wonderful listicle that we've been provided by MarketWatch? Well, this one's sad to me. The Toyota Land Cruiser is the first one listed here because I'm always so prepared for these drive-throughs as our listeners know. I don't know if this is just in the US or if this is across the board. Now the Land Cruiser in the US was a bit of a hard pill to swallow because it was 90 grand. I don't know who was paying 90 grand for a Toyota that didn't have an L badge on it. Yeah, so the, the Land Cruiser is going away. I am not sad to see the next vehicle on this list going away. That is the probably worst looking car that we've seen in the last 20 years, which is the BMW i3. No, I don't wouldn't say it's the worst looking car. And, you know, it has normal sized grills for BMW. So <laughs> already it looks better than the new BMWs. These are little grills compared to BMW. I mean, if they put the new grills on this thing, it would just be grill. <laughs> In the front. <laughs> Once from the, the seven BMW series. I grill. <laughs> the eye grill. <laughs> I think Apple patented that terminology, the eye grill. Plug it yeah. in your iPhone. But, mm-hmm. you know, on this list, to no one's surprise, is all of the Volvo station wagons. I mean, very handsome vehicles, but they just didn't oh, sell. They're, they're beautiful. Well, the V90, I thought when it first came out, was a gorgeous wagon. The problem was you couldn't get a V90 unless you special ordered it. You could get cross countries or cross tour, whatever they called them. You could get those on the dealer lots, but the V90 had to be a special order. That one's not going away, apparently. So not all Volvo wagons are leaving. We test drove the, the smaller one, I think it was the V60 when that one came out. And it was cool. The price tag was hefty. I think the only problem, because we had some very specific shopping criteria, was the cargo space was pretty small and the roof line was pretty low slung. So it made it kind of cramped. 
compared to other vehicles we were looking at. It's not a surprise. We talked about this on our What Should I Buy Station Wagons episode where it's diminishing returns in terms of manufacturers making station wagons, right? And as we know, everybody's in love with SUVs, but they're just giant hatchbacks. I guess say la vie, right? And along with that, hatchbacks that are going away or CUVs, I guess you want to call it, the short-lived CX-3 by Mazda, to no one's surprise. Yes, but it's being replaced by the CX-3. Three zero. What exactly is the difference? I thought that was their weird rotary hybrid thing that we had talked about a few months back. The CX-30 is not hybrid. It runs on <laughs> gasoline. Does that have that holy grail motor it, that they came out with? That I don't know. It's, a, it's listed as a Skyactiv G 2.5 turbo engine, 250 <laughs> horsepower, 320 foot-pounds of torque, 93 octane fuel. But I thought we reported on them using that same chassis and body to put in a rotary hybrid. They were working on some experimental something or other, but it's never come to fruition. Sorry, Tom. They're not bringing back another rotary anytime soon. Yes, but this is a car you can buy today, and it's replaced the Mazda CX-3, and they look the same. Ah, okay. This is the Mazda CX-3 is replaced by the, the Mazda, Mazda CX-3. <laughs> it must be like zero two, people will buy it. It must be like two inches bigger. I don't know. On that list also includes the Mazda 6. I haven't seen one of those in a while. There's other cars like the Polestar by Volvo, which was a cool, I didn't know that it was going to be a real car. I thought it was a concept. I think it's neat, but you know, the days of the two-door coupe are pretty much dead. And on this list are two cars that are also quite similar. One we talked about, I think almost a year ago, and it's not the Honda Civic, it's the Volkswagen Golf. Obviously the two-door Golfs are already gone. Volkswagen is leaving behind the GTI and the Golf R. And along with that, Hyundai is following suit by leaving behind the Veloster N and killing off the rest of the Veloster line and models and packages that were available. So that rounds out like the top 10 cars that are dead for 2022. All of these are ICE cars, right? There aren't any hybrids leaving this list, but the future is electric as we know. So But there is there is there a is. the here. Honda Clarity is leaving. Oh yeah, sorry. I forgot about that, just like I forgot about you've got a blind existed. spot for Hondas, period. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just read Honda and it's just wah, 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 wah. you didn't bother reading the rest. Uh, I, I feel I apologize to the three and a half people that bought Honda Clarities. I didn't even know they existed. I thought they were like it's Honda does this weird thing where they come out with these really innovative forward-looking vehicles and they release them in Calabasas or, or like one small section of the country. This is a California only car, a fuel cell. I think they had some propane cars. They had some hydrogen cars. Everything is California only. So I'm not sad to see it go because I wasn't around to see it here. <laughs> I feel like it was a soft launch. There wasn't any big hubbub about it. Or maybe there was and we missed it. It's just something that's not on the radar. It's not the most attractive car in the world. I mean, from certain angles, you're like, yeah, it kind of looks like the new Integra. Like you said, I'm not going to be sad to see it go. You know, to me, it looks like a Maxima. Okay, let's say that's the only EV on the list. There's five other EVs or more that are going to replace it. And those are also on a listicle provided by Car and Driver. So what's on our list here of new and expected EVs? The Audi um, A6 e-tron. Dun, dun, dun. Yet another e-tron. The Audi Q4 e-tron. e-tron. <laughs> Yeah, I saw an Audi A3 e-tron the other day, and I was almost thinking the guys just stuck a badge on the side of an A3. <laughs> that was the first e-tron outside of like the race cars and stuff. It was like the e-golf, and it was yet again like the Clarity, a car that 
they didn't really advertise. I actually rode in an A3 e-tron. A friend of mine owns one in California, and I was actually pretty impressed with it, bragging about all the numbers and all this kind of stuff. But it's one of those deals where it was kind of like a zombie car. And we'll talk about those in a moment where they couldn't sell them. They were sitting on lots forever, but the markup was so high that nobody was going to buy them. I mean, if you're into it for the California credits, you know, absolutely go for it. The non-surprises are on this list are, yes, all the e-trons, all the, the numbers are coming. Well, the, the next one is the BMW i4 e-tron. And, the, and, the, and all the I, all the numbers of the I's of BMW, even though the I3 is going away. The I4, the I7, the i We get it. The, I mean, the Germans yeah. know their vowels. We get it. Yeah. The E's and the I's, they're all coming. Yeah, you and sometimes why? <laughs> I think why goes to this Bollinger B1 and B2 because I believe why? we talked about a while ago, maybe In- very utilitarian, very geometric. I mean, how do you make an old Land Rover uglier? Uh, it's it's very simplistic. Two and a half people might buy this. I mean, it also starts at one hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh, so. that hurts. It's going to be a niche market nonetheless, but you have your choice of the B1 or the B2, the B2 being the pickup truck. Are they both greenhouses? Like, are you guys seeing this roof? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, it looks to me like they took a an old British phone booth and put wheels on it, and then they, they called it a, a Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> Turned it on its side. <laughs> they, I feel like they missed an opportunity to call it TARDIS 1 and TARDIS 2. Pretty much. And then we have like three or four entries from GM that all look the same. Well, on. do you think the Buick Electra looks the same as what? I mean, it's got that same snout as the Lyric and the Celestique, however you pronounce that, and the Trailblazer and the Blazer and the Equinox. They all kind of just look the same, especially the Equinox and that Buick. They got almost the same beak on them. I would not say that at all, but they are reminiscent of each other. But this Buick is very angular in the front yes it is it looks more like a mazda cx3 that's leaving if you had just shown this where there's no badging on this car cover the wheels i wouldn't have known it was a gm product i would have guessed it was japanese i don't like those doors i think that is totally useless they're like double-sided scissor doors meaning the back and the front both both scissor for all your passengers i doubt the production model would ever come like that probably not even though that's space savings and parking lots and things like that that's never actually ever come to fruition on anything but a hypercar so yeah i don't see it passing nhsta standards or something some law they're Without a B pillar, no way. But I do have to say, I mean, we've talked about the GM products, boring. I found my next vehicle right here under the GM products. It's the canoe. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. That cab over pickup truck looks really, really legit to me. I I think that's really slick in a sort of Jurassic Park was the future 25 years ago sort of way. Like, I think these look really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. These are the futuristic renditions of what we think in the year 2050, which is like around the corner, (laughs) everything was going to be Jetsons. Like these are the vehicles that would have been driving. The van version of the canoe definitely looks like a Renault Espace. I mean, that's, that's Brett's next tow vehicle. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's the equivalent of the church van. It just uses the Korean writing on the side. There are some vans right now that are very similar. And I don't think they're made by canoe or canoe or however it's pronounced that are running around doing autonomous testing delivery vehicles and things like that, particularly in California right now. So, you know, who knows what the future of this is. Those wacky Californians. Since you're a Chrysler fan. Yeah, this airflow looks really nice. Like, 
it's reminiscent of the 200 a little bit. I like the back too, except for the C pillar, or actually, I guess it would be the D pillar is kind of oddly cut, but I understand, you know, that's the way now with these weird angular rear windows and stuff, but the back of it is reminiscent of an e-tron of all things, but I, I like the way it looks. It's, it's very Italian. It's not very Chrysler, but you know, like we speculated in months past, Chrysler may be the rebirth of these EVs because the brand doesn't really have anything right now when you compare it to Ram and Dodge and the other offerings that are under the same umbrella. I think this is a good opportunity for them to capitalize on the EV space. I want to know why there's no Chrysler EV PT Cruiser. I have no answer for that. And my mind immediately says Maki when I hear that combination. (laughs) Just like, no, it's not happening. I mean, this list goes on basically in the alphabetical order of manufacturers, A through Z, essentially. You know, some of these aren't anything new because they're we're already known to be expected this year. So hopefully they should be coming out this year, barring hashtag chips. Others are 23, 24, 25, and things we've hit on already before. Some of the offerings from like Hyundai and Mercedes as well. You're right. I think there's a couple surprises on here. I would say like the Fisker SUV made me give it the hairy eyebrow because I'm like, Fisker is not known for building a CUV SUV. So I'm like, I don't know, stick to building the Aston Martin competitor because that's what Fisker is kind of known for is the sporty coupes and those convertibles. But really going into the SUV market, I'm, I'm almost like, just stop. What about the Lagonda? It confuses me because is that an Aston Martin or is that just its own thing? Aston Martin spun off the name. As their electric luxury brand. Again, there's some stuff that's undercover here. There's some entries by Volvo, the new Porsches. To your point, Tanya, things that we've talked about, I will say one of the coolest things on here is probably this Rivian. Again, we're pretty excited about that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Sony Vision S later on in the show. And the thing I think that did surprise me, because it was going to be my hot take this month, you know, where is Subaru in the next five years? They are finally coming to the table with an EV expected this year known as the Solterra. I can't say I'm a fan of the body cladding, but I'm glad to see that, you know, Subaru is doing something because I was afraid that they were going to be the way of the dodo bird here in the next, you know, couple of years because they just, there was no talk around Subaru producing anything in the EV space. To just piggyback off that for a hot second, apparently a couple days ago at the Tokyo Auto Salon, they unveiled a 1,073 horsepower STIERA electric track car that is supposed to spank all records of electric race cars on the Nürburgring or some crazy thing like that. So they might not have held their cards out yet of what they were doing, but clearly they've been doing something in the background. I mean, I am wholly certain that even though it's electric, it will find a way to spin a rod bearing. So, you know, it's just tradition within the halls of Subaru. But, you know, hey, whatever. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. Now, I will say this. As you go through the list, I did realize that the Subaru entry, and they have done cross work with other manufacturers before, the Toyota BZ4X and the Subaru Solterra look a lot alike. And the dead giveaway is that front clip. It actually says the Solterra will be based on the same platform as the Toyota BZ4X electric crossover. Well, see, there we go. Good job, Brad. Welcome back. (laughs) Because I had the exact same thought and I went back and I was like looking at it and then I saw, oh yeah. Toyota BZ4, yes. So it's it's basically a RAV4, which they already have a hybrid RAV4 now. So, all right, whatever. Which, by the way, Toyota, I saw a commercial earlier today for a Toyota Corolla Cross. 
basically a RAV4 Four. rebadge is a Corolla Cross. I don't know if they're keeping the RAV4 name, but there is a Corolla SUV coming to the market that nobody wanted. <laughs> Why? Why? Just, yeah, you have your RAV4. Make it a RAV3. I don't know. I think my biggest question about everything on this list, I mean, and this spans the gamut, right? From the Tesla Cybertruck to, you know, the Chevy Trailblazer to everything in between. How many of these are going to be sub 40K for the everyday user, for the, you know, the driver that's just starting out, or maybe even the, you know, now newly minted professional college graduate who's looking for their first you know, kind of adult car that isn't a hand-me-down from their grandparents or their parents, where is that sub, I guess now by 2022 standards of inflation, $40,000 car? I just, I don't see it yet. You know what I mean? As as an EV? A lot of people have complained about that because it's just, everything's way too expensive. So what they're doing is instead of a sub $40,000 car, they've got longer loan terms, seven to 10 year loan terms are going to take over for the more expensive vehicles. (laughs) I'm going to leave that where it is. To tease up Brad's favorite section, Lost and Found, we've got some zombie cars that are still for sale on dealer lots. Before I go further into these zombie cars, they should probably just start dismantling them because nobody wants them in the first place and start using the chips, hashtag chips, in the newer cars. Can they do that? Can they retrofit the chips? You know, I would think that there Can they would double be. dip their chip? <laughs> Never double dip your chip. I often wonder if they could recycle some of the cars from the last five years and reuse some of the chips that are there. Like everything else, have to have the Snapdragon 12 core because the eight core isn't fast enough. In the automotive world, none of the gear that we really use in the cars, I feel is that sophisticated. And there's probably chips that can be reused from even 10 or 15 years ago to get some of this stuff done. Zombie cars, cars that are discontinued, but still brand new on Dior lots. What do we got, Brad? We've got a BMW 6 Series. They sold 55 BMW 6 Series. And when did they stop making that car? 2019? Mm-hmm. There's another BMW on this list, the BMW i8. When did they stop making that? I don't know. I don't even know that it sold, whatever. Yeah, right. Only but person sold... I know that has one is James Clay. And he admitted that when he was on the BMW episode. No, this is so you know two people that had one because uh, what's his face from HOD had one. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. The total sales number here, they discontinued the car and then how many they've sold brand new since discontinuing. Is there a number here that's like, maybe they shouldn't have discontinued it? Because my least favorite car, the Impala, is on this I was, ju- I was just about to go there. Apparently yeah. still sold 750 of them. Last year. That was 750 last year, according I mean, to That is a very small number in the grand scheme of cars sold. I mean, that's that's 750 more than you expected to be sold. Yeah. Is this because these car manufacturers are saving these turds from the wrecker because they can't put newer models on the lots? So dealers are going around and finding these other cars that they can sell as new. I'm also wondering, what's the threshold on the demo cars? Don't they have to exceed a certain mileage before they're considered used, but they can still be new even if they have like 300 miles on them or something like that? I don't think the mileage has anything to do with it. I think if it's titled in anything other than the dealership, then it's considered a used car. Oh, so then there you go. So I'm wondering if maybe some of these Impalas were demo cars on the lot that were just never sold. So 750 dealerships in the US that still had one Impala doesn't seem too impossible in the grand scheme of things. There were Actually, 750 people that wanted that car. 
I'm going the other way. It was one dealership that had 750 Impalas. <laughs> <laughs> they doubled down on the Impalas. They shorted the Impala market. The Chrysler ones of are, are of no surprise, right? The the 200, the Town and Country, the Dart. Again, those are all feel like loner cars that just never sold. And the, the numbers are so small, 15, 4, and 10. I mean, shoot, I think there were... 10 of them at the local dealership here, you know? Yeah, the Dodge Viper sold four total sales. Two of them went to Andrew Bank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about more on that in a couple of weeks. So the award on this list for the oldest new car goes to the Toyota FJ Cruiser. I know, right? Apparently some dealership kept one on the lot since 2014 and finally sold it last year. I mean, there's some other interesting surprises on here. The Patriot, I'm, I'm shocked. There's still some around that are new, but I think the 370Z out of all these cars got my attention. I mean, the Viper, we joke about it every month. And then I'd say right behind the 370Z was that there were 51 total sales of the Fiat 500 last year, and they stopped producing that car like a couple of years ago as well. And it's like, really? I guess the Fiat 500 maybe isn't a stretch because it wasn't that popular unless you lived by yourself with three cats and didn't drive anywhere. Well, I was going to say the Viper is the only one on this list that actually makes sense to me because it's such a low volume vehicle. It's such a niche market that of course there's going to be some that are hanging around. I learned a super fun fact about the Viper, which we'll talk about more in the coming weeks. They only produced roughly 32,000 Vipers in the entire run of the Viper line from generation one to generation five. That is less than the total number of Corvettes that are produced in a single year. To wrap all that up, if you are not interested in an EV, not sad that any of these cars are going away, and you're not interested in buying a zombie car, Jalopnik put together an article, the top used cars that you should buy in this used car craze that's going on. And they just happen to be... Let's see. we got the PT Cruiser. The economical family hauler. One of my personal favorites the pt cruiser we've got the lap of luxury car is the uh the pt cruiser which is a little bit nicer it's got the chromed out wheels and the pristine metallic paint and the plastic bumper covers for the raucous hot hatch we've got a competitor to the hhrss the pt cruiser srt4 which is basically a dodge neon srt4 oh excuse me a dodge srt4 it's not a neon mm-hmm. even though it looks like a neon and talks like a neon and it's a neon i um, didn't even know there was a pt cruiser gt what oh yes yeah. yes it's a this five different models of the pt cruiser it's amazing god but if you're looking for something low mileage and a collector piece you can look at the pt cruiser <laughs> And finally, if you want some of that summer vibes, drop top action, what should we get, Brad? Well, you can opt for the Nissan Murano Cross Cabriolet. But if you can't find one of those because they're so desirable and hard to get, you can get yourself a PT Cruiser. So I got to admit, you know what's cool about the PT Cruiser convertible that I just noticed now? Did it? I don't know. Well, that it's, you know, like an SRT4 neon that isn't a neon. It's actually two door. I was just about to say, yeah, it's two door. It's still stupid, but you know, hey, whatever. I mean, <laughs> well, but the PT Cruiser convertible 
turbo is only $4,700. That's a value for money, all things considered. But it's look very at telling in a car market where cars are selling for three or four times their actual value that you can get a PT Cruiser convertible for $4,700. But look at those wheels. I mean, those are some sporty wheels. Talk about a hot take. The used car market is so crazy right now. A friend of mine actually told me the other day, he was like, do you think it makes sense to purchase your leased vehicle and then go resell it yourself like on cars.com or auto trader or something like that brad as a money guy do you think that's a viable option for somebody it depends on your car i mean if you leased a pt cruiser then (laughs) (laughs) no you don't want to buy out your lease and resell it but if you lease like a cat like a bmw like a bmw 4 series or something like a bmw 3 series because those are leased cars all the time by the lower level executives and stuff like that. Companies lease them out for their people to give company cars. And then, yeah, it could be worth it. You'd obviously have to do the math on that, but it's got to be a car that, I mean, check the prices of what cars are selling for and then check what the lease buyout is. And if one number is higher than the other, then yes, do it. If one number is lower than the other, then no, it's not a good idea. So you have to do a little bit of prospecting, right? You got to do your research. You can't just say, oh, well, I got this car and I'm going to you know, buy it out and then I'm going to flip it. It's not like flipping houses, although some people equate it to that. But to your point, you got to do the legwork and look into it. One other thought did cross my mind, especially when you talk about all these EVs. And, you know, I mentioned where's that sub $40,000 vehicle for that entry level driver and not necessarily the teenage driver, but that newly minted professional got me thinking because I just recently watched the new show that just aired called American Auto. One of the episodes was about this $10,000 car. And and what hit me was that they said, if you can't afford a $10,000 used car, why would you want to buy a low cost brand new car? Like, what are you getting for 10 grand? And it kind of got me thinking, maybe next month we take a look at some really top value cars in that 10 to 20 grand range and pick those out for lost and found. What do you think, Brad? I think this is a great idea. I can tell you what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to come back with a whole slew of formerly $100,000 luxury cars that you can get now for $9,500. And it's going to be a terrible idea and nobody should ever take my advice when I do that. Yeah, because it costs you a hundred grand to fix them, right? At the end of the day. Well, yeah, a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> car, you may buy it for $9,500, but it's still a hundred thousand dollar car with a hundred thousand dollar car maintenance. Or maybe we spin it off into a what should I buy episode looking for the best bang for the buck. How about that? Actually, the best car to buy is a Volkswagen Phaeton. You'll you'll thank me. Either a Phaeton or the V10 diesel Touareg. I hear those cars (laughs) are as reliable as a Swiss watch. (laughs) Well, that's a great transition into Volkswagen and Audi news. So what's hot? Or maybe I should say what's now considered not so hot. Apparently, the new Lamborghini Countach is not so hot. According to? Marcello Gandini. And who is this fabled Gandini? It's probably the first time people are hearing his name. He's the Uh, guy who designed the original one. What? Whoa. Whoa. And he's saying, nope, I do not approve. Damn. (laughs) I put my name next to this one. We have mixed feelings about the new Countach. It's either love it or hate it by a lot of people. But when the original designer of not just a Countach but the Diablo and the Mura comes back and says, uh-uh. What does that say? What does that mean? It'll probably be an indication that they shouldn't have made the backside view look like something from Michael Bay's Transformer movie. <laughs> just saying. I just love the fact that 
as it says in the article, the design icon makes an official statement distancing himself from the limited production supercar. Like, wow, that is, damn. I mean, that speaks volumes. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the new Lamborghini Countach, although it could have been a Lamborghini, whatever the hell, it didn't have to be called the Countach. But I am sensing some sour grapes here that maybe Mr. Gandini hadn't been consulted on the new car and he's throwing shade at Lamborghini or at Volkswagen because they didn't reach out to him for his input when they were doing this retro version. That would be a very Italian thing to do. So you know what? (laughs) You might be right. (laughs) So what else is going on in the Volkswagen out in Porsche world? Apparently there's more Pikes Peak record breaking. Uh, you know, that's a bit of clickbait. So you want to know what that's all about? A gentleman drove to the top of Pikes Peak out in Colorado Springs and realized he only had 12 miles of battery range left in his Taycan. Decided, well, we're going to ride the brakes the whole way down or use the regen and see how far we can get. And actually, his test was pretty cool because it was twofold. And I think what was more impressive than anything else was that when they come down to about 11,000 feet from the summit of Pikes Peak, there's actually a mandatory brake check and the cops, you know, won't let you go and things like that. They've seen, you know, numbers as high as like 900 degrees coming from brakes and the take can, because it's using the regen system instead of using the brakes. And it, plus it has those big PCCB ceramic, you know, ridiculous Porsche racing brakes. Anyway, it was like 67 degrees on the rotor. It was like ambient air temperature. And he said, by the time he was done with it all reached the bottom, he had like regen something like 45 miles of range. And then because- They went from having 12 miles of range left to get back to the top or wherever to when they got down to the Colorado Springs, they had over a hundred miles. Yeah. I was going to say it was in two phases, the way he wrote it. He's like, we had X amount when we reached the bottom of Pikes Peak and because it continues to go down into the city, then they regen even more and they had about a hundred miles of range left. So yeah, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, it's a little bit misleading at first, what, which records were broken. It was a record for the brake temperature basically. And then maybe even the brake regeneration, since that's obviously new and specific to electrical vehicles, but that's pretty cool in terms of the capability of the brake regen. Yeah. Granted, your everyday user is not going to see that because we don't, (laughs) we don't commute from the top of Pike's Peak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the other thing too is if those brakes are anything like the ones on the Cayman GT4, I've heard from owners that you know will convert to steel rotors because you know for track use and stuff like that because those PCCB rotors are almost fifteen hundred dollars a piece. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I wouldn't want to wear out a set of those rotors coming down off of Pikes Peak on a regular basis. That would be insane. You know, Pikes Peak is famous for rally and little known fact, Porsche entered cars like the 911 SC, the 959 Group B, and then there was an alternative to that known as the 953 that they campaigned back in the 80s. And they've been hinting for years. And now they're saying that in 2022, Porsche may release a limited production package known as the Safari 911. I'm just thinking about why anybody cares. Right? What's the point of this? I don't know, because if you look into the specs, it's a 911 that's lifted. It loses a bunch of the features of the 911's typical suspension. Nothing else has really changed the car. They did widen the hips a little bit to put bigger tires underneath of it, but its ascent and descent angles are garbage. You would never use this off-road. So the folks that are buying it are driving where with it again? They're driving to their temperature controlled storage unit to flip the car in about 10 years. 
Yeah, I just feel like Dr. Ferdinand Porsche is like rolling over in his grave hearing about this. I'm like, good God, this is terrible. Yeah, this this is purely a collector car. Nobody's actually going to buy this to drive. And it looks awful. I mean, it just looks like a 911. It looks like a lifted 911. Yeah, it looks terrible. Not a fan. But there's some news coming out of Bugatti. You know, Volkswagen's crown jewel, as they present themselves, is now being run by a 33-year-old. But not just any 33-year-old. It's the head of RIMAC. And I actually learned something really important about this article because there wasn't any content in it that was of any value other than learning how to properly pronounce his first and last name. (laughs) When you read it in English, it reads mate RIMAC, like we're used to pronouncing RIMAC, but apparently the formerly Yugoslavian born now, you know, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Croatia, you know, it's like changed names like 10 times. It's pronounced Mati, and the last name is Rimats. Rimats? I, I mean, it's not Rimash and all these other Rimac and all these variants we're talking about. But you know what? I'm just going to continue saying Rimac because it's easier and I'll fumble over it a lot less often. But one other piece of golden nugget inside that article that I pulled was a quote where he talked about how he got started. And I thought he was quite ballsy walking up to Koenigsegg and saying, hey, I want to design an EV. What do I need to do? I'm like, damn, dude, that's pretty cool. So he's seen as this like prodigy, right? He's seen as kind of like Ferdinand Porsche reborn type of deal. And so this marriage, you know, between Rimac and Bugatti and obviously with VAG behind the scenes with, you know, 45% of the controlling stock is, is awesome for them, putting a lot of money into the companies. And there's two companies, there's Rimac Automotive and there's the Rimac Technology branch and all this kind of thing. But one thing I thought was interesting, personality wise, he tends to run very hot and cold on a lot of things. And he's very upfront about the things he talks about, but I like that he realized kind of upfront and it took a stab at companies that we've talked about on previous months of the show, where he says that he quickly realized putting electric motors into old cars wasn't a viable business plan long-term. So he decided instead that he would engineer his own high-performance electric cars from the word go. And I'm like, we've talked about this a bunch of times, you know, taking an old Aston Martin, like DB6 and retrofitting an EV, you're doing a disservice to the collector car market. You know, some people would call them an abomination or whatever, but I just, yeah, I agree with him. I don't think it's a viable business solution long-term. Good for him. I'm glad I like to see this. I think it's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see where Bugatti goes. And and one of his other quotes was Bugatti has been around for 112 years. He's here to usher Bugatti for the next 112 years. I mean, that would make him a total of 145 years old if he makes it that far. But hey, you know, you never it could happen. (laughs) As long as it doesn't come with a Bugatti SUV, I'm perfectly happy with it. Oh, good. Well, what's going on in the rest of Lower Saxony? Our friends over at Mercedes and BMW. There's things coming, right? We've got all the the I variants, BMW. We got some Mercedes that we're going to talk about later. I guess the most interesting thing, maybe, at the Consumer Electronics Show a week or two ago, BMW debuted their technology for color-changing paint. You have my attention. (gasps) Oh my God. No way. What was that movie? What was that movie where the lady was sitting at her desk and like changing her fingernail colors, like with like a pen, like she would tap her fingernails. You guys remember that? Yes, I do. I do not remember what movie it was. Some, it was some sci-fi or some show or something, right? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. But that's immediately where my mind went when I saw this. I was like, dude, this is going to be so cool. Yes and no. Right now it's limited to 
grayscale essentially so you can shift between black white and gray and the reason is it's actually using e-reader e-ink technology so yeah, that's it's not why even paint it's a no. it's a wrap it's, it's literally yeah some sort of wrap it's basically kindle screens <laughs> all around the car so you're able to manipulate those but only in a, in a grayscale right you can display your favorite book on the outside of your car and <laughs> well, you can read it that, as you're driving by <laughs> see and this is where the problem would lie in because if this technology expands and they're able to color or not color right and people now somehow gain the ability to put inappropriate pictures on the side of their car at will as they're driving. You know it's going to happen. We don't need that as a society. You know, as much as I wish I had sometimes letters that I could make magically appear in my rear glass of the car to give them pointers on their driving ability. You know, we don't actually need that ability. It would cause much more problems than... There's a positive flip side to this. If it works... It could be implemented on the sides of metro buses and things like that, where they could now do changing advertisements rather than those stationary things or those power consuming LED panels, right? Because this this e-ink stuff is so low power and whatnot. Now, again, I'm with you. Once that happens, you know, all of Vegas is going to turn into that and then it's going to get hacked and it's just going to be a free for all, especially during Black Hat and DEF CON, right? (laughs) And, you know, the other space you could see an application for this is billboards, camouflage, right? So military and being able to instantly camo vehicles and and things like that. But mainstream society, do we need this? No, no, we don't. So is this the verge of like stealth technology, yet another like Star Trek technology? coming to life right well and that's another thing we don't need do really people already can't drive and we're gonna cloak a car <laughs> into it like really I've, I've, they've been working on that before trying to use mirrors and tv screens and stuff and yeah i mean there's definitely well. scientists out there that are working on the, the right, I, I want three things from this but... i want three things from this cloaking technology a car that's called a defiant and i want my gps to sound like wharf and then it will be perfect just be like Deep Space Nine. That'd be amazing. <laughs> All right, let's move on from BMW to the world's fourth largest auto manufacturer, no longer part of the big three, Stellantis. So they put all these brands together and now they're fourth largest. <laughs> I mean, when you go from these microcosms, I mean, you see the bigger, you right? Know, winter, winter, winter. You know, we talked about months ago, I think, Brad, you were still here, right? The party was over. The end is nigh. The end of the muscle car, Dodge says. Time to go home. Pack up your kids. Go. Well, that's not exactly true. Because as we know, there's zombie cars and Chrysler lots all over the place. So that means... By the math that they've projected here, the Chrysler Charger will now officially be gone by 2024 with EVs arriving sometime in that time period to replace them. But as we discovered earlier, they'll be for sale six or eight years from now as well, right? So I know what Dodge is doing. So they're going to create a huge backlog or surplus of zombie cars. So they can say, yeah, yeah, we stopped making those cars in 2024. Yeah, we're still padding our bottom line with these cars because we built hundreds of thousands of them in the last three years and they're still selling. But yeah, we stopped making them. They shouldn't count against our our gas, I guess, uh, 
uh, our miles, my yeah, MPG yeah. or whatever, our, our regulations. And the year 2049, you'll still be able to buy a Viper. You know, it's, it's all no, good. But it, it's fine. So y'all are upset because, oh, no, they're not going to make their 10,000 billion horsepower gas guzzlers anymore, blah, blah, blah. But it's okay because they want to make EVs, which just means they're going to make some 9,000 gigawatt atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> that is way more power than you need so it's fine oh, I, I mean dodge is synonymous with idiocy and tire smoke i mean let's just let's just boil it back right so i mean yes your point yeah nine trillion gigawatts and it'll just blow the tires off of anything now you know maybe they'll call it the hellcat thunder cougar falcon bird red-eyed demon wide body big dick energy special edition you know that's what it's going to come out with later but this whole never lift campaign that they're starting to do is their new marketing thing for the next couple of years i just don't get it it's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth you know on one hand if you go back in time and look at some of these articles from like reuters you know they were allegedly fined like hundreds of millions of dollars in penalties, you know, for the cafe fines and things like that because of the Hellcat and other engines and this and that. And then here we are, you know, still doing all these ridiculous ads and they're talking about muscle cars. And I'm like, this is such an oxymoron, folks. Hot take, electric muscle car. Uh, the point of muscle car is big engine, little car, all that kind of stuff. We just need to take all that out of the vocabulary. Like we need to just put it to bed. What about the Porsche Taycan turbo, electric turbo, non-turbo turbo car? The turbo rotambulator? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The turbo flux capacitor. Yeah, exactly. How do you have a turbo on an EV unless it's a hybrid turbo? What? Whatever. I think it's one of those things where they're trying to ingratiate people because people understand turbo means it's better than the regular one or, you know, muscle means better than... Because people are dumb. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's all marketing bullshit. In that comes a little ray of light. Please tell me it's a new Dodge Dart. It's not (laughs) The Peugeot E-Legend. Have you guys seen this thing? A while ago, right? Yeah, but now they're talking about actually making it. And I'm like, wow, it is a good looking car. The only cool. the only downside, it's a two-door. It does look like it's That's based sor- sort of on the Challenger, but I thought we were done with two-door. I mean, I'd drive that. I would too. Now, some other news coming out of Stellantis and I'm going to read this. The international automaker that owns brands like Jeep, Chrysler, Fiat, Ram, and Peugeot have entered in a wide-ranging agreement with Amazon. The deal will put Amazon software in Stellantis vehicles and will also put Stellantis electric vans into Amazon's delivery fleet. I mean, you've already seen the blue Ram vans running around that Amazon bought, so we'll be due there. What I'm wondering, though, is all Mopar products from this point forward are going to be Alexa? Alexa. Turn on car. Brah. <laughs> Alexa, send the coordinates that I just drove to my mistress's house to my wife. <laughs> That's the wrong website. That's the wrong Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, please report to my insurance agency that I just did 95 in a 60. And add a loaf of bread to my shopping list. <laughs> So there's always renderings flying around. There's some pretty cool ones out there. A team put together a rendering of what the Dodge Superbird would look like based on a current Dodge Challenger. And I thought that was pretty neat. Although I don't think we're in an era anymore of the big nose and big tail of the Superbird. I mean, that's a cool throwback, but I couldn't see parking that at the local Walmart. Superbird is one of my favorite cars of all time. It's just so long. 
I mean, I guess it's like an F-150 or a Silverado, right? At this point. No, I think they're longer. <laughs> now, that Alfa Romeo Nivola that was floating around for a while, a video link that was out there on YouTube, and we posted it in our show notes. I think that's a really cool reimagined combination of the 4C and the 8C Competizione. I think it's a cool looking car. There was a version of that that I actually posted out on Garage Riot recently where they took that same Nivola and redesigned it yet again, kind of put this, you know, Milan sad clown kind of face on it. I think it's a cool looking car. It's just, I don't think Alpha is ever going to build it. This is that guy that does the Volkswagen renderings. Yeah. And he does a really cool job. So I like them. I like looking at these. You know, they're a lot of fun, but, you know, don't get my hopes up like that. Don't tease me. Don't the tease front me, end almost looks like the Maserati MC12 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where he probably got his inspiration from. And the back is reminiscent of older Alphas as well with the big round lights and all that kind of thing. I think yeah. it looks cool. I think it does. I, I, I could dig it. So what else is going on in the world of Stellantis there, Tanya? Sounds like they're still having an odor problem. Wait, what? In their cars? No, at their factory. You know, there's some weird stuff going on, explosions and smelly factories and things like that that we link to in our show notes. But there's also this really weirdly, I'd say almost stupidly named vehicle coming out called the Asnam, and it's based on a Ram. Looks like I think they misspelled like- Amazon. <laughs> Looks like a Bentley got smashed. It's pretty freaking terrible. This is the new Aztec. (laughs) Hence the name, I suppose. I mean, the interior isn't terrible other than like that weird bubbling seat looks stupid, but the rest of it isn't even horrible on the inside, but the outside is just god awful. I mean, you you have like wine glass holder in the back, it looks like. How luxurious. Rich people doing rich people things. I mean, I'm going to say it because I figured one of you two were saying, what kind of asshole is going to buy this asnom moving on so it's time for us to move on to our traditional domestic news which is all chevy and ford based our chevy and ford news brought to you in part by americanmuscle.com your number one source for mopar chevy and ford parts so if you're looking for something new to spruce up your gm ford or dodge this winter before the track season starts off remember to head over to americanmuscle.com So what's going on in the world of GM? Well, it looks like the automaker is going to be dethroned as the number one auto seller in the U.S. I don't know that it's necessarily, we'll see if it sticks. Toyota is beating them out to be the number one car seller. But given the chip shortages and all the supply chain issues we have had over the last year and whatnot, maybe this is a short-term thing and they'll regain control of their kingdom. I think it's a little too early to tell. I feel like those ratings are somewhat misleading or somehow inflated because when we looked at that world map at the end of last year about the top manufacturers in the world, Toyota seemed to come out on top regardless of all this. And I mean, if Chevy's still selling Impalas and whatnot, (laughs) zombie cars, I mean, I just don't get it. Toyota is above them in global sales. So oh, I so this is America's largest. This is just automated. America. So global sales, uh, it's Toyota versus Volkswagen. They passed GM like a long time ago, Toyota. This is just American sales. So GM is number one or was number one and is about to be passed by Toyota. But a lot of those numbers, 30 plus percent down sales, I think Toyota, but GM had 40 plus percent down sales, right? And a lot of that's all driven by the car shortages and this, that, and the other. So does it stick? Or not, I think remains to be seen over the next year or two, right? 
So I'm going to ask this. What about the F-150? I thought that was like the best-selling vehicle of all time in the Galaxy and the Milky Way. But that's the only thing from Ford. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. Do they sell anything else? I don't think the F-150 sells very well overseas either. Right. No. But this is, this is North America, right? Oh, so Just American sales. They're all in what? Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> big state. It's a big state. It is a big state. To continue that thread on GM, it makes sense in a way if Toyota's surpassing them because they're wasting time on things like a 10.4 liter V8 as a direct response to the Dodge Elephant crate engine. Now, I've got to say here, anytime you're building a thousand horsepower motor, it's not a waste of time. I don't care what, who you are. What do you need? If it, okay, okay. A hundred horsepower per liter. Is that really that good? Shouldn't that thing be making like 10,000 horsepower at 10 liters? I mean, I don't understand. If it was a BMW, it would, but then it would blow up every 5,000 miles. Well, you know, that, that's, that's true. I just, I don't understand why they would waste the time. Again, we've talked about this before. I feel as though, despite the list that we revered earlier in the episode, Chevy's like late to the party on this whole EV thing. Even worse is the irony that Dodge is like, all right, we're done. Party's over. And you know, there's always that one guy in the back going, well, my glass ain't empty yet. So I'm going to hang out till I'm done drinking. That's what I feel Chevy's doing right now with this 10 liter V8. I just, I don't understand. I mean, because nobody's buying their cars. So they've got to sell motors instead. Drag racing is still a thing. People still drag race and street race and everything. And they're putting these motors in, you know, after they blow up their Camaro SS motor, they're going to go and replace it with one of these. I suppose so. Make it completely undrivable. Not everybody wants to put a 1.8T in everything, Eric. I think that's very true. You know, I want to make big power out of a small displacement. It's like the genie Mm -hmm. from Aladdin. But... (laughs) But speaking of other things, GM, what do we think? You know, the new Z06 came out during the winter. What do we think? The C8, I think, is cool. The Z06 is just a more cool version of it. Could you tell Whatever. me the difference between the two? Nope. Uh, the big wang. Oh, is that? Oh, okay, cool. I got it. This is a Z06 wing. It's got aerodynamic stuff. It's got more power. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to dig into that a little bit more, but you know, as much as there was so much hype and, oh, they released it early and they didn't do that on purpose. I feel like it fell on deaf ears. It was like the same thing as when Volkswagen announced the new Golf R during the re-election. And it was just like, yeah, nobody cares, dude. It's like yet another Golf R, you know, yet another Z06. Show us something different. Granted, the new C8 is different enough being a mid-engine Corvette. What I want to see though, does the IMSA Corvette get an upgrade because of the advancements they've made with the Z06? How does that change the race cars in the future? I I think that goes the other way. I think they did the development on the IMSA car and it's trickling down to the Z06. You know, that might make more sense. You're right. Speaking of things that were developed and trickling down to cars... Did you hear about Ford? They developed retractable exhaust tips. I have one question. Why? Yep, that'd be it. I mean, and the answer someone would probably give you is why not? In the era of the Ford Lightning and EVs, why are we dealing with you know retracting exhaust tips? What would it do? It's for off-road mode. They're probably going to put this on like the new Raptor or something to give it more approach angle or whatever the rear angle is. You retract the exhaust so it's not like directly under the bumper or whatever. And if you slam the tail down on a rock or something like that, because Jeep guys do that shit all the time then you're not going to like destroy your exhaust. All right. But they're coming out with the new Bronco DR. Dur? Which is the V8 powered Baja monster that apparently you can buy based on the Ford Bronco. 
Yeah, so, so this is probably going to be a feature on that. And it's 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 for, I mean, it says in the article, it's for off-roading to help give you better clearance. Why not just make a shorter exhaust or with side exit or something else? Because then maybe a permanent shorter exhaust might not qualify or, again, pass government regulations. And so all the aftermarket guys are going to do what with their stock exhaust? Throw it away. Okay, just wanted to make sure. When they put their Chevy crate motor, you know, to keep, that's how you make a fast forward. You put a Chevy motor in it. Uh, if you listen to Bobby Parks, one of our former guests. Okay, Moving on. We talked about the Chevy crate motor. Did you guys hear about the new Ford crate motor that's coming out? No. Oh, it's is called it a the... Ter- new term, new, uh, what is it? Terminator? No, they call, it, or... they call it the Illuminator. It is an EV crate motor that people can buy to retrofit into whatever vehicle they like. So see, that's a step in the right direction. 10.4 liters of whatever that cast iron thing is, or this, which would you buy? 10.4 liters. What are you talking about? <laughs> I already knew that answer. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, man. It depends on how expensive this is and how compact it is. Because if you can put one of these at each wheel, then you got something. Yeah, that's that's true. That's be hotness. You know, Stellantis isn't the only one that's got fans doing renderings and things like that of vehicles and coming up with really cool concepts. And I tell you what, I am really in love with this Ford Ranger that was modded with a Mustang face. What do you guys think? I think this looks slick. I can dig it. You got to get rid of the Mustang logo or the the Mustang icon. That's the Mach-T. You didn't know that? That's the Mustang Mach-T. It's the pickup truck. The (laughs) Mach-Trash. I think it looks cool with the Shelby stripes. It looks super aggressive. I mean, how they did that running, the flares. I I just like all of that. The big wheels. I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. I I can dig it. I like it. I don't hate it. Wait, that wait. You don't hate it? Your pickup truck you don't hate? Tanya, think of all the mulch. Gosh, wow. So then if you don't hate that, what do you think of the 70s retro inspired vintage pickup electric that they came out with? I don't hate that because I don't hate the concept of taking the old cars and making them new again and electrified. I don't necessarily love it because I don't think it's a particularly good looking (laughs) pickup truck to have done this with. But they have. I also don't think that's ever going to happen other than the one they've built because there's no way it would pass any safety regulations because, I mean, it is essentially the original, but with an electric motor inside. And so there is thin ass door cards and, and the roof liner and all that. And I was just thinking from a safety aspect, how could you actually mass produce this? The thing would become huge because there's no room for the 1800 airbags that we need in the cabin. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. You know, this is right along the lines of what Hyundai did with the pony when they kind of brought it up to speed and did the EV. I think everybody's doing these heritage pieces. You're even starting to see some things like that now from Audi with Ken Block where they're, you know, taking old Audi Quattro and doing some stuff like that. I think it's cool. I think you're right. If this had been the Ford, the F100 that was in like the Expendables, Stallone's pickup, that would have been super cool. This is just some boring, blocky, like whatever. I hate to say it's like Ford square body. It's like, "Eh, whatever. Mountain Man Nan doesn't like it anyway. So it's all good. It's a Ford. Well, they didn't do it themselves any favor with like the kind of blandish color Choices. Or those those wheels. Oh my god! I know those are the original hubcaps, but ugh. there's more news about Ford in this past winter. What's going on? They finally released the new F one hundred and fifty Lightning price 
So if you're looking to order one of those. Oh, what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost? Well, they got four variations. They've got <sighs> the Pro that comes in starting at 39974 So you were asking for that sub 40,000 EV. Here you go. You've got the Pro model at 39974 Which you're forgetting about the 975 destination charge. Oh, and so, you want floor mats, and you want a bed liner, and you want wheels and headlights. Yeah, I mean, yeah. actually, the $1,695 destination charge that they listed oh. in the article as well. Ooh. But it is eligible for a $7,500 federal tax credit. So, booyah, still sub 40000 Now, Whoa. wait, so is the pro the base well, After the dealer markup. <laughs> so, all right, so we got the pro, and then we've got the XLT at 52974 That's a huge jump. Well, you've jumped from 230-mile range to 230-mile range <laughs> in the XLT SR version, or... 300 mile range with the XLT ER. Is that 80,000 for that? No, no, no. This is all, well, you know what? They don't differentiate the those SR and ER price differences. So I don't know. Uh, my guess is the the XR, that's the, the lower range. That's the 52,974 plus $1,600. And then the other one, the ER is probably 60, which bridges the gap to the next version, which is the Lariat. And how much is that one? 67,474. But now we've gone to 230 miles of range <laughs> or 300 miles of range. But you get your leather seats and your navigation. Now, if you're feeling real bullish, you can get the platinum. 100 grand, right? No, boy, it's lower at 90,000. Oh, And you will get 280 miles of range. And you will get a 10-year car note. <laughs> Speaking of $100,000 vehicles, right? We were out in Ohio recently and walking through the parking lot of a Meyer, we spotted a brand new Grand Wagoneer driving my old, you know, what would be considered old school by now, you know, WK2 Jeep Grand Cherokee. And I told my wife, I said, Hey, look, it's the new Grand Wagoneer. And she stopped dead in the parking lot. And she looked at it. And she goes, and she just didn't say anything. And I said, what are you thinking? She goes, it doesn't say anything. And I said, you know, that's a hundred thousand plus dollars. Right. And she's like, why? And then just turned and walked away. Like she didn't understand it. And I'm like, that's the first time I've ever seen her have that reaction to like a car. Normally she's like, ah, it's ugly. It's this, I don't like it. I don't like, you know, the cut of the back or whatever it might be, but she just stood there and like, didn't say anything. She goes, why? But I will say it is bigger than I thought it would be. I mean, I know that the new Grand Cherokee is big and I've seen those on the road, but the Wagoneer for some reason looks time and a half wider just because of the way that nose is and the cut of the back. And it's just, it's big, real big. I have to say the, the new, I've seen the Grand Cherokees. I think they look terrible. They look so misproportioned. It's it that is. reverse angular nose, like an old BMW that it just doesn't look like it looks like Cro-Magnon. It's just very strange. Yeah, it's very strange. They're, they're not good looking at all. I'm, your model was definitely the last good looking Grand Cherokee. I mean, and take that and multiply it out on that Grand Wagoneer. Cause I mean, granted, they're all basically the same underneath, but I was just like, dang. It's more grand. Well, and the other thing too was with that whole front with all those LEDs, like we talked about and stuff, cause we saw it at night. She's like, is that an EV? And I said, no. And she's like, 100 grand for what? And I'm like, I. <laughs> 
it's a Jeep. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But you know who just announced yet another EV? A brand nobody cares about because they're not on top anymore. Oh. <gasps> GM? Yep, they announced the new electric Silverado. Again, late to the party, right? How long have we been talking about the lightning and talking about all this other kind of stuff? GM comes to the party and says, oh, we're going to have an electric Silverado. In two years, 2024. Great. Awesome. Hopefully it's not as bad as that hybrid Suburban that came out with like 10 years ago. I was going to say, it it does come with a destination charge of $16.95 too. (laughs) But they swear that any resemblance to the Avalanche is purely coincidental. You noticed that, right? Yeah. Even though it has the folding mid-gate tail like the Avalanche had. That's the only, you know, that yes is like the Avalanche, but otherwise... It's not the avalanche. It's a coincidence. There was one last bit of domestic news that I wanted to cover because it was super clickbaity. I think it is the most clickbaity thing we have ever had on this show. And oh, by the way, folks, if I have a moment to point it out, we have covered well over, I believe the number was 550 articles on this show. So as we plow through these, this one came across my desk and it reads, Ford beats Tesla for best growth performing auto stock in 2021. And I said, wait, what? So according to the article, you know, Ford stock grew 140%, this and that, and the other thing. And I wanted to compare the stock prices. $6 to I mean, yeah, the big, the big three has always been the same. It's like, it's a $20 stock. It hasn't really budged. Stellantis stock has changed significantly from when it was Chrysler to FCA and so on down the line. They're, they're actually doing really, really well. But to say that your stock is doing better than Tesla, who's sitting at like $1,100 a share, and you're coming in at $25.16, Yeah. Good try, you know, MSNBC money, whatever. I get it. If you play with the numbers, we made a dollar more. So it's like 150%. In reality, Tesla stock is the highest grossing automotive stock on the planet at a four digit number. I mean, nobody's in that range. I mean, granted Audi and Porsche, you know, they're in the multiple hundreds of dollars per stock, but, you know, traded on the NASDAQ, Tesla's where it's at. I guess we got to wrap out that domestic news with some domestic adjacent news by talking about JDM news and Toyota's got some cool stuff. They unveiled or revealed the Takozilla and no folks, it is not a giant burrito or taco that you would get at your stand down the street. I was thinking it was like the Oscar Mayer wiener van when I read when I read the article title. You know, they could sell these as food trucks and the taquerias, the owners should buy these and sell food out of their tacozilla. And they, I think it's cool. It's a, an off-road version of the Tacoma with a camper on the back. It's not earth shattering or groundbreaking by anything like that. It, I guess, pays homage to the Toyota Chinook from 1976, the versatile convertible wagon. Oddly enough, I was out in Phoenix not too long ago. And I actually, I drove from the mid 400 to Phoenix, as a matter of fact, and I saw one of those old school Toyota campers out on the highway because out there they don't rust and it never snows. And I was just like, I was kind of chuckling to myself going, man, that old Toyota is still running. You know, it's like a Camry engine. It's the old taco, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think this is cool as a throwback. I just don't know who's going to buy one. I mean, the van life market's pretty 
small, but the people in that, you know, subculture are pretty serious. So there are people that do this themselves to big like Ford F450s yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which is a terrible vehicle if they actually take it off-roading because it's way too big to fit in those little tight places out in the wilderness. This is more believable as one of those overlanding type as a motor home slash off-roader yeah Yeah. but my question is you know with covid being where it is right now right it keeps kind of bouncing up and down has the van life rv market plateaued or is it still on the rise like it was let's say in 2020 i had a friend that was looking for a van before covid and he could not find one so he waited and then after covid he started looking again and prices were double what they were when he was originally looking actually one of our members andrew he just bought a van he bought a transit to transport his ailing mother it took him forever to find a van he couldn't get anything he wanted he could he got a transit he couldn't get ecoboost he couldn't get all-wheel drive because they just didn't have them anywhere the vans that he would call the dealerships about he would schedule an appointment to go look at it and then it would be gone before he even gets a chance to get there it essentially bought the first one that he could actually set his hands on wow so the, the market is just terrible it's, it's terrible if you're looking to buy anything i keep saying this there's tons of used cars to go around so there are a million pt cruisers out there to choose from and they fit <laughs> all kinds of lifestyles Andrew Banks' next car should be a PT Cruiser. Not a neon. He needs a PT Cruiser painted like his Viper sitting next to it in the garage. Convertible, you know, so he can let that fro blow in the wind as he's going (laughs) down the road. We'll talk more about Andrew in the coming weeks for sure. We have some news for our friends on two wheels. Oh my God. Two wheel news. Crichton CR700W motorcycle brings the rotary engine back into production. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I I know there's diehard rotary people out there, but I'm with you. I keep saying it. If the Germans thought it was a good idea, they would have kept with it. They don't abandon things. I mean, just look at the 911. They think it's a good idea. They keep going at it with that motor hanging over the butt. (laughs) This is right up there with that jet turbine motorcycle. As far as just bad ideas. <laughs> I mean, the Viper motorcycle was a bad idea too, but that's hella cool. I mean, you got a V10 between your legs. It's kind of neat. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other end of that pendulum swing, Bugatti is revealing a motorcycle? Well, Bugatti is revealing an electric two-wheel apparatus. What do you mean apparatus? What is it, a medical device? <laughs> mode of transportation it is does it look like that mercedes we talked about no so this is actually scooter not like a moped scooter think razor scooter but before you make that face this is the best looking razor scooter ever i give them props for a hot little razor scooter like this thing is sick looking but it's just a freaking scooter I but mean, it does have a sport mode. You unlock it with the key. No, just kidding. But you know, it does have a, a sport mode. And how much does it cost? Yeah, that's the bigger question. It costs so much that they had to leave the price out. Oh, typical, typical. First of all, is this actually now the baby one? Because it's the electric, you know, <laughs> for children. But two, I thought the coolest thing about this is that LED that puts the Ettore Bugatti logo on the ground, like that rear light. I think that's the, the coolest It's got thing. ground effects, yo. What, it's, Razor it's Scooter didn't have ground effects. It is pretty slick. Would I pay the $97,000 that this probably costs? No. 
I can't write it. I don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's the answer to everything. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the weight ratings right here. And yeah, I don't. Oh, damn. But, but the funny thing is, it says it takes its styling cues from the Devo. Oh, stop. The stop. band? No. The, oh, you weren't here for that episode. We talked about this 40-run Bugatti. They only made 40 of them. It was called the Devo. It looks like it was made by Lego. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> I thought it was kind of neat, actually. But, you know, since we're talking about oddballs, why don't we jump right into Lost and Found, Brad, your favorite section. Lost and Found, brought to you by the Dodge Dart. (laughs) Best-selling 2016 car of 2021. So, apparently, there's a Ferrari-powered boat for sale right now. It's the world's only, allegedly, Ferrari-powered boat. You can pick it up for a cool 50. $15 million. This thing is slick, though. I mean, this is handcrafted, all wood, speedboat, built in the 50s with a Ferrari power plant. This is old school awesome, old world awesome. I I love this thing. Now, I think it's funny that this came across our desk and about a week or two later, just happened to turn on Motor Trend and there was an episode of Phantom Works Garage where they were building a replica of this thing. And I thought, oh man, I mean, I I guess it's targeted advertising. Who knows? It's the internet doing its thing, Skynet. I think this is cool. I think this is neat. Well, I like the fact that you can buy a smaller version of it, if you want. It's called the Baby 2. It's called, it's not called anything, but you can get a one-eighth scale model That's for like, a modest $8,500. Oh, never mind. I'll Plus buy a Miata. $1,600 destination charge. The answer is always Miata. <laughs> this thing's cool though. I would I would rock it. I don't I probably don't fit, but I would rock it. So yes, if you're in the market for a used vehicle, you missed out on this one. You can still buy your PT Cruiser, but you can no longer buy your car of your dreams, the 2000 Chevrolet Metro. Is it a coupe or a cabriolet? It's a hatchback. Oh, it's an egg. <laughs> it's an egg. It's, 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 it's an egg. It's, it's a white egg. 400 miles on it this thing was pristine perfect specimen really of the automobile and it sold for a whopping you know i hope you're sitting down eighteen thousand dollars eighteen thousand two hundred dollars for a geo metro that's 22 years old geo metro yes oh what are people thinking it says here the buyer is andrew bank So with only 400 miles, then it qualifies to be, you know, top spot on bring a trailer. So that should easily, like I should double his money by listing it immediately, right? Yeah. (laughs) Here's a question for you. What do you think is more ridiculous that this car sold for $18,200 or that E30 sold for an astronomical amount of money back when it sold? For a quarter million bucks for that M3. Yeah. I mean, just the numbers are insane. I talk to Donovan all the time about this because, you know, he's in that market and he's always looking at stuff and, you know, we go bounce ideas back and forth and it's just the bring a trailer stuff is nuts. And I hate to call them out all the time, but it's just... I don't know. It's insane. And the conversation I had with like Chris Bright about the things they're doing over at, you know, collector part exchange and stuff like that. It's just such a weird world right now with all these online marketplaces and, you know, bring a trailer used to be the place where we'd go and salivate over cars going, Oh man, I wish I could buy that. It's actually pretty reasonably priced. Now you go there and go, what the hell are they smoking? Like, what is this? 
it's nutty. You know, the same is true of eBay and a lot of those other sites that they just suddenly get out of control, you know, when they're self-managed and, and whatnot. But I hate the fact that Bring a Trailer has now become this, you know, high watermark litmus test for when you're selling a car. It's like, well, what is it? What's it worth on Bring a Trailer? You know, what did the last one sell for? And it's like, that's like saying, what did the last Camaro sell for on Barrett Jackson? I'm not going to pay that kind of price for your... Yeah, because your Camaro is not that Camaro. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Shut so- up, I know what I have. No low balls. <laughs> Don't low ball me, bro. But speaking of low ball offers, we have a new, I guess, subsection of the lost and found. We're calling it the Andrew Bank question. And how does that work exactly, Brad? Basically, you pick the most expensive car you can find for the cheapest price you can get it. Oh, so you sort from lowest to highest? Yes, yes. What can we a, put in the bank? What can we put in the bank? A Lamborghini Gallardo for thirty-five thousand dollars. All right, that's a good deal. So what's the catch? It's been stolen a handful of times. (laughs) It was a drug mule? No, I don't know. (laughs) It may have been. It ran and drove when parked. You know, every great ad starts that way. It's been Uh, repainted twice. It's not the most pristine Lamborghini out there on the market. (laughs) Convertible top doesn't work. Uh, It's just wind resistance anyway. Leave the top up, you're good. It's probably a $30,000 fix right there. Pay $35,000 for the car and another thirty grand to fix the convertible top. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want a convertible supercar. For whatever reason, none of them appeal to me, whether it's the Ferraris, the Porsches, the Lamborghinis. I just, I don't want any of them. They're the only ones I fit in. Think you'd want the extra structural rigidity for when you crash it. Not you, but the U's that crash them, you know. The the two U's that crash it. (laughs) <laughs> Andrew Bank, if you're listening, you can go buy this car. You should sell both the Dodge Vipers that you've purchased and buy this car. Yeah, I'll pass. <clears throat> but more on put it in the bank. Maybe that's what we should call it. Put it in the bank <laughs> next month as we look for more of these hot deals. So not just the lost and found, but what's the best, cheapest thing you can find? It's some sad news since I like to cover historical things. And you guys know I've mentioned many times before about Lotus and the Lotus family, you know, the Chapmans and whatnot. Unfortunately, the late Colin Chapman, his wife outlived him by many, many years. Colin Chapman died in 1982. His wife, Hazel Chapman, finally died at the age of 94 here during the winter of 2021, leading into 22. You say finally, like you were hoping or expecting to die any minute. She finally did it. She finally kicked the bucket, that old bag. She finally died. (laughs) Probably wrong choice of words, but the sad reality of all that is she is the legacy of Lotus. She inspired Colin. He built the first Lotus race car for her. There's a lot of stuff that goes around her story, their marriage, the company. And the one still secret that has now gone to the grave is where does the name come from? Nobody knows that. And the family, I guess, is under oath to not disclose it. It was something very personal to Colin. And I was just kind of hoping that maybe we would find out the secret. But, you know, sad day for the automotive world because she was a huge influencer, both of them. Obviously, you know, big parts of Formula One and things like that. So our our hearts go out to the Chapman family. And on that comes news of new Lotus EVs and, and things like that of the future. So We'll see where the brand goes. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. It really has survived, you know, the trials and tribulations of of war and and economy and racing and and everything. But I guess that's a great segue to talk about the future since we are kind of dabbling there with the future of Lotus. Let's talk about new random EVs and concepts. 
the Pininfarina Batista. Okay, so of course I'm going to like it because Pininfarina, you know, famed for styling numerous Ferraris over the decades. Did this you look at those is... specs? Seems like it's going to be pretty slow. I mean, 1,900 brake horsepower, that's it? The new Dodge will have 9,000, so it'll be okay. I think it's cool looking. The price yeah, tag is the price awesome. tag is hefty. I mean, two and a half million dollars for this thing. It's considered I mean, it is what it is. It's considered a hyper EV. It is very Ferrari esque because obviously Pininfarina pens so many Ferraris and whatnot over the years. I, I, I think it's a good looking car. More than you can afford, pal. Yeah, Pininfarina. I would buy one if I was in that market. And then Nissan revealed an electric pickup truck. What? You know, yes, they did. And you know what? I will give them props for saying, BMW, let me show you how it's done. You want to make your grills bigger? Well, screw you. We're just going to make the whole front end a grill. That thing is heinous. It's even see-through. I'd love to see the women that drive this wearing a skirt. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> they all wear yoga pants now, Brad. Nobody wears oh, skirts. True, true, true. Lululemon by stocking them. I mean, At- it's... Athleisure wear. No, excuse okay. me. <laughs> I mean, it's ugly from every angle. The color is ugly. The wheels what? are ugly. What? This thing is awesome. What are you talking about? It's... Oh, my God. It's the definition of fugly. No, You man, can write words awesome. on the back. Put the words in the Microsoft on the I Nissan. Want- to do that but we shouldn't be allowed oh the little heart emojis oh i love the cap oh this thing is awesome the uh the cap looks like a nissan 200 or 300 200 sx or whatever 250 270sx whatever the one that's a drift car now oh i know what you're talking about yeah yeah I mean, it's like a 200 sx or something like that that's terrible. this thing's cool looking man i mean it's a concept about? car all right like it looks like what it is a concept Okay, the I, I just want to, is awesome. I, I get it, but I want I know that concepts are not supposed to be functional. And I understand that the grill is the entire front end of this thing. Do those headlights actually work the way they're laid out? Probably. I want to see it to believe it. <laughs> but let's move on. It's it's horrible. There are no headlights. It's that's just my, Nissan. It's well, that's my point. Like, do they actually work? No. So here's two things that I never thought I would hear in the same sentence. And I got to get your take on this, Brad, because I know you live in the Toyota Lexus camp. Hydrogen off-roader. Let me say that again. Hydrogen off-roader. Why not? I mean, you can do an electric off-roader, apparently. They're proving all of that. The thing I find more interesting is it's a Lexus side-by-side. I was wondering if we were going to get to that. It's, it looks like yep. a re- rebadged Can-Am or, or any of those. I mean, we have a couple side-by-side enthusiasts in the club here, and I'd be really curious to find out what they think about the Lexus hydrogen off-roader. This is another vehicle that begs the question, why? why? The answer is probably, why not? No, thank you. I'll pass. I, I mean, it's Toyota doing Toyota things. This is very true. I will. Give what you do you do when you're the number one manufacturer? Whatever the hell you, you want. You throw yeah. hydrogen bombs into side by sides. I mean, now, they're I the would, only, they're the only ones really trying to develop hydrogen technology yeah. in cars. So for them to just extend that to this isn't really a shocking. All right, I would put... want to keep this away from Daniel's square body, though. A thousand percent. But let me <laughs> let me put it to you this way: in, in light of Betty White and you know everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks, so picture it, Florida, twenty twenty two, the Lexus hydrogen golf cart. That would have made more sense to me than whatever this is. Right? But then they, they wouldn't they wouldn't even have bothered with the hydrogen. It would have just been electric. Oh, bing, bing, bing. 
when I looked at it, it kind of looks like a funky golf cart anyway, because it's, you know, it's more upright side by side than like the sportier ones that are out there now, these UTVs and stuff that exist. I kind of made me wonder why the big brands haven't gotten into luxury golf carts for some of these retirement communities. I think people would buy a Lexus electric or hydrogen golf cart, wouldn't you? I think their customers all die before they take delivery. (laughs) Because chips. Moving on, Tanya mentioned earlier she wanted to talk about Mercedes. They had unveiled that, I don't even remember what it was, but it was heinous looking. The EQS. It looks like a suppository, as Mark Shank said. Yeah, unfortunately. But now, in their whole EQ line, because that's going to be their electric line vehicle, they've unveiled a new concept. I don't know how I feel about the way it looks. It doesn't scream Mercedes, but it screams vintage Aston or something. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The interesting thing about this, which is going to be the EQXX or something like that, the Vision EQXX is, I guess, its concept name. It's claiming on simulation to get 620 miles on a single rage. So that would outpace everything available right now if they could actually do this in production versus simulated on on a computer. So the question is, what has Mercedes unlocked or not unlocked? And who are they getting their batteries from, right? Because I'm hearing a lot lately about, you know, Tesla and Panasonic partnering up, things like that. They say the drag coefficient on this thing is super low. It's like 0.17 to 0.2, depending on where you read. The more I look at this thing from the different angles, to your point, reminiscent of an Aston, it actually reminds me even more so of the new McLaren long tail. It just has that look to it, especially from the rear. The front from certain angles, I love it. And other angles, I sort of hate it. It's got a weird like Sauber C9 thing going on for me for the front. It looks kind of like a race car, but it's not. It's just it's big. I think that's the issue I take with it. It's like, I want it. It's like those Mercedes from like 10 years ago, where it was like, we're going to do the low roof line on a four door to try to make it look small. But in reality, it's like a limousine or Maybach or something. I'm like, I don't know the, the wheels take away from it. Give me those manhole covers from like the late nineties and, and stuff like that. Like even something retro would look better than what's on here. I don't know. I'm not sold yet. I'm intrigued, not just from the technology standpoint, but even this design, there's so much room for improvement. Like and who knows what this would actually turn into, given it's still in a concept form. And we already know how concepts never end up looking like the real thing. But Mercedes is, in fact, doing things. And you know who else is still doing things? Sony. And I hear it's not the PlayStation 5. Well, you can't find one of those, but you can find a Sony electric car. Oh, what? what? <laughs> well, not yet. Those are still concepts, too. However, we talked so about... the PS5. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about a while ago, which I think it was two years ago at CES, Sony unveiled the Vision S their possible entry into electric cars. And this past year at the Consumer Electronics Show, they unveiled the Vision S02, which is their SUV entry if they actually ever do this, right? First things first, they put the Vision S1 in a trash compactor, right? I mean, that's what this thing looks like. It looks like they washed it. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. (sighs) cool unfortunately for me they look better sort of but they look too much like teslas i think the front of the vision s1 let's call it that looks like a take can 
which I'm okay with. I like the fact that it has like legit wheels, stuff like that. I mean, kind of re-reviewing this car now looking at it, you know, side by side with the other one compared to the original, like, you know, auto show debut pictures that we saw at CES and whatnot. Here's the biggest problem I have with these EVs. They have so much power and we talk about it, you know, many times, you know, who needs a grocery getter that goes zero to 60 in two seconds and all this kind of stuff. Aesthetically, why do we need these heinous freaking wheels? I mean, it makes the cars look like hot garbage. The Vision S, the original one, I think it's understated. I would drive that. If you told me that was a Sony, I wouldn't believe you. I would tell you, oh, that's like a Hyundai or that's, you know, some sort of other maybe Toyota or something like that. I just, I don't know. But this other thing, its redeeming value is not the outside. I think the interior is super cool. I'm even a fan of this big, ridiculous Star Trek dashboard that's in it. I don't know how I feel about all these new dashboards that are nothing but screens, but the seats look like they uh, would cradle you quite nicely. I'm not saying these screens aren't going to break. I just think aesthetically... Sony has done a good job. It looks cool. Well, and we should expect that from them. If anything, this thing should have a killer sound system in it. I agree with and that. And really good display systems, right? Because that's I, what they know how to do. Exactly. And I mean, the other interesting thing where he who shall not be named Musk refuses to use technology, you know, we're still using camera technology, like literal <laughs> cameras for the you know all the sensors and all that stuff sony's like nah we're doing lidar <laughs> nice it takes a combination of all those things right well and it, it does but certain folks musk refuses basically ha- has said that he's not going to use it and it's like why it's more advanced than anything else who knows what those reasons are i don't recall at any rate it'll be interesting to see you know again i think what we said is you know this is more about the technology versus the actual car so this is a way for them to showcase to all the other auto manufacturers this is what we bring to the table if you want to come by our dashboards our sound systems da 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 oh hey and also our lidar sensor technology for autonomous driving is super yeah, cool and that goes back to what the guy from Rimac was saying as well where that's part of how he got his start was licensing some of his ideas and his technology to other companies. So this is an opportunity not for Sony to make cars, but license some of their ideas. So I agree with you there. Solar solar technology. Now, I will say this about the Teslas. From a business perspective, it makes a thousand percent sense to not retrofit the LiDAR into the cars. Because if you look at it from the perspective of like the big three, how much it takes to make a change on a vehicle, it'll cost them probably $200,000 to figure out how to put in one LiDAR sensor on one corner of the car. If they're trying to minimize and maximize like their profits and stuff and, and all the you know costs and profits and all that, it's not advantageous for them to go back and redesign the Model yeah. 3 right now. No, but he could have already put the LiDAR in. That's part of the point. He like refuses because it's not like LiDAR just came out last year. So he had opportunity because since he's been building cars from the ground up to yeah. have started with that technology. And he's refused so far for whatever the reasons are, would need to investigate it. It actually is a great segue into... We would be remiss. Since we're already talking about it, Tesla's raising their prices yet again. Yes, which is, you know, there's never a reason. Fine, probably supply chain, chips, the moon phase, climate change, who knows? But yes, the prices on all their models at the same time are increasing. I believe it's like two to four grand, depending on on the model, which isn't a lot, but it's not insignificant either, right? And it kind of pushes that model three that I thought was supposed to be this 
entry level, low priced vehicle to almost mid forty thousands now, which I don't know about anybody else, but forty plus thousand for a car is pretty freaking expensive. They're raising their prices because Home Depot prices went up. Ooh, damn! The cost of plywood is pretty expensive these days. It's true. It's true. Zinga. But then they're going into partnerships with companies like... That's a little bit misleading because they're not going into a partnership with Hertz. There's no contract, apparently, between Tesla and Hertz. But Hertz has put in orders for 100,000 Teslas, Model 3s and and Ys, or maybe they're all Model 3s, basically to have on their lots as rental cars. And you can, in fact, already rent Teslas from Hertz facilities. I don't know which ones... But if you're flying into LAX at any time, I did check and you can reserve currently a Model 3. The Model Ys are sold out or rented out. You know, I looked at the price and at first I was like, dang, that's expensive. But then I'm like, well, is it really? So it is really expensive. (laughs) So my bigger question is, do they still ask you to prepay for the fuel on return? Because they got to charge it up when you return it to the airport, right? That'll be an interesting question is how much they, you know, make it a premium. If you pre-fill, you always end up paying a little bit more than if you got your fuel on yourself before you returned it. So I don't know what they'll do with the electrification. But you find yourself in LAX, believe my rental dates were, I'm sure they won't change, but I was looking sometime at the end of February for giggles for $125.35 a day, you too can rent a Model 3 standard range Tesla. I mean, that's the level where you can rent like the upper luxury cars when you're paying, you know, $120, $150 a day. I mean, at this Hertz, you could rent the elite sports car, Ooh. which is a V4 from the picture Camaro Charger or Mustang for $133.85 a day. You could also rent the premium sports car convertible, which shows a picture of a Camaro for $145.58 a day. I think at the end of all that, I would still take the Tesla. I don't want a four-cylinder Camaro. And I still get a Chevy Impala for $15 a day. (laughs) (laughs) I heard Hertz bought 750 of them recently. Yes. No, that was I mean, budget. $125 a day is pretty expensive. If you're on a budget, you're not going to spring for that. I mean, granted, the cheapest vehicle that you could rent right now on the days I chose at LAX is an economy two or four door, and they show a Chevy Aveo two door in the picture. No, sorry, a Chevy Spark in the picture. $81.27 a day. I mean, that's LA prices. I mean, if, LA you were, prices. if you were in the middle of Omaha, it's like $12 a day, like Brad was saying, but you can buy a lot of gas at 125 bucks a day, you know? So in the rental car world, and, and you got to look at how renters use rental cars. I mean, unlike my trip from the mint to Phoenix, where I was putting on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles for the person that's, you know, flying into town, buzzing around, doing some meetings and whatever, is it really worth renting a Tesla? I don't know. I mean, it obviously would depend on what city you're flying into, because if they don't have a good charging network, you don't want to have to be dealing with that hassle of you're in a new city that you don't know and you are got to run to meetings or do this, that and the other. And oh, crap, the dude before me left it empty. <laughs> now, I, I will say this. There is an upside to this. The more I think about it, the Zipcar business model would have really worked well for this in the sense that if you could drop the Tesla off at a charging station and then pick up another one somewhere else just by maybe using like an ID card that says, hey, I'm a Tesla subscriber or something like that, boop, jump in the car and drive away. So you That'd just steal thing. someone else's car while they're in the Starbucks <laughs> getting their morning shh, 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 
Okay, this is going to work good. But at any rate, depending on the city, if you wanted to see what the fuss is about a Tesla, but aren't ready to commit to one, you could go rent one for a couple days. That's a solid plan. Still cheaper than than committing. So moving on, the Cybertruck, which was, you know, coming soon to garages nowhere because it can't fit. Apparently on their website earlier this month or in the last couple of weeks has removed everything saying production 2022 basically it's like up in the air i guess you can still reserve them but question mark when you would actually get it so sounds like they're delayed yet again who knows why there's never a reason sounds like the windshield wiper blades could be a reason (laughs) (laughs) or lack thereof they're going to laser beams remember no apparently they're trying to do like a single wiper blade and musk himself has said that it's troubling (laughs) Mercedes figured a single wiper blade out in the 80s on the 190s. I mean, come on. Everyone figured wiper blades out how many decades ago? Like, seriously, just put freaking wiper blades on this thing. I don't, who know? I don't know. He can do all these things, but he can't put wiper blades on? Well, it, well, the problem is this, right? If you do the basic math, I mean, we all took like some form of trigonometry or I don't know what in, in school. If you look at the width of the vehicle to use two blades, they would never reach the top of the windshield and they would probably come below your nose. So they would be totally ineffective. So I get why he's got to use use one wiper blade but the problem is the wiper blade is six feet long so where do you mount it it doesn't make any sense like the whole design is terrible it is on the list of cars yet to be released that we should all be looking out for on that article we talked about at the beginning of the show it's still listed there Hot Wheels has gone as far as to release cyber trucks. It's the only place you can buy a cyber truck right now at every Walmart and Target. I've seen them. I had them in my hands. But if you're dying to get one in your garage, even though it won't fit, you're going to have to wait. So <laughs> you can buy my reserve spot. Double down on that. 200 bucks. You know, I, I feel like they are missing an opportunity here. They just need to go to Home Depot and buy a six foot long squeegee like the window washers use and just put a little arm from the center of it straight up and it pulls it down and pushes it straight up and it pulls it down straight up, pulls it down. But you have these at gas stations. Why can't Tesla get one? If this thing wasn't shaped like N64 Star Fox and it was more like that Mercedes EQXX we were just talking about, maybe if it had a low coefficient of drag, because you can't tell me that angular design is streamlined in any way, you probably wouldn't even need a wiper blade. Like think about some of those IMSA cars where, you know, the prototypes where it's like, they're going so fast, they're so slippery, the rain just flies off the windshield. It could be the same thing, but when you're trying to drive a brick through the air, it's, it's not going to happen. They just need Rain-X. Nobody's driving that quickly to have the rain beat off and, and fling off. Like if you're crawling at 20 miles an hour, I don't care what your coefficient of or angle of windshield is. It doesn't work that way. We could use tear-offs like on helmets, right? That's all they need on the Cybertruck. It's just tear-offs. So you get out, but reach around the A-pillar. <laughs> yeah, reach out with the A-pillar and just rip How off are the- you reaching out? You're like getting out, like put it in autopilot and you crawl out like... No, you, you you use a windshield arm. You, you use a windshield wiper arm to reach up and tear it off. <laughs> or you use normal fucking windshield wipers, you idiot. <laughs> Maybe the 
real holdup is that laser technology. I think it's the lasers. The lasers are the answer. The lasers and the lidar. In good news, though, how this was ever a good idea. Apparently, Tesla will stop allowing drivers to play video games while driving in their car. They have that gigantic touchscreen, right? And so they have passenger play. So in theory, the idea is your passenger can amuse themselves by playing whatever on the screen but there's nothing built in to prevent the driver from using it while driving which of course normally that stuff is turned off by the fact that the car is in motion the car is in motion your passenger can't play either so it's like why is this even an option it's an option because you you put it in self-driving autonomous mode 12 and you play pokemon go the whole time it's amazing because even according to tesla you're supposed to still be watching the road and maintaining your hands on the steering wheel so you shouldn't be playing i need one hand to hold the steering wheel and one hand to throw the pokeball i can prove this Allegedly. Just give me a Tesla, I'll prove it to you. I feel like we needed this option when we went to NCM. <laughs> the radio didn't work for like 11 hours. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yes. We, we had NPR and then we had nothing and then we had church and then we had nothing and there was just 12 hours of awkward best friendness. <laughs> but that was an epic trip and we have a story to tell about it. So there that's we go. That's true, 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 true. But you know, it lowered our expectations, didn't it? Lowered expectations. Which this last one sort of straddles that line. A gentleman in Helsinki got very upset that his Tesla broke down. Something happened with the batteries or some fault. And then I guess because he did some mods on the car, it was out of warranty or out of Tesla careness. It was a $22,000 repair bill. He didn't want to pay that. Apparently this guy's got lots of money. And he decided instead of paying that, he was just going to blow his car up. And so, I don't know, these the Finnish guys that... I think they got a YouTube channel and they go around basically blowing stuff up. They're the bomb dudes or something like that. I guess somehow he got in contact with them and they strapped 66 pounds of dynamite to this Tesla in like this rock quarry and then proceeded to blow it to smithereens. And there's a video of this explosion. Top gear level of excitement right there. That's something they would have done on top gear for sure. The old old top gear. I mean, I don't know why you do it. I mean, I guess it was a 2013 Model S, so you could say it's 10 years, third out, but that's kind of stupid. There's something to be said about that, right? You hear these people all the time, I drove my Tesla 400,000 miles and I had not a single issue. I mean, there's the other end of this swing as well that people don't maybe necessarily talk about all the time. So this is, you know, something interesting now that I think about it, to your point, 2013, it's, you know, 10 years old and it's going to cost 22 grand to get that car back on the road. You know, that's the half the cost of a new model three, right? Do you cut your losses? And then what do you do with a Tesla that needs $22,000 worth of batteries? Nobody's going to buy that as a used fixer upper. You're still on the whole 22 grand. You know, what were they going to do with the car? Take it back and recycle it? Like, is there a plan for that? So I can see this from multiple angles. So it's not totally out of the realm to say, well, screw it. We're just going to blow it up. What was the alternative? Now, granted, there's the hazmat side of this, like blowing up a car. I don't condone this, especially an EV because of, you know, all the lithium and all the stuff. But still, I'm kind of like, all right, well, there were worse options, I suppose. I mean, if nothing else, it's kind of interesting to see how it exploded and all the yes. bits and pieces, which then they had, they went and collected and put into a giant pile. The bigger question is for how long did it burn afterwards? I mentioned Top Gear a moment ago, maybe sad news or maybe 
I want want. But for the folks out there that are fans of Clarkson, Hammond and May, you may recall that in 2016, they spun up their own social media network known as Drive Tribe. Fortunately for us, we're huge fans here at GTM of the old Top Gear. And Brad was such a big fan. He actually got us in on like day two. And we were one of the earliest tribes on Drive Tribe. And we've been, you know, consistently posting there and things like that. You can say, what? Drive Tribe? What's Drive Tribe? Or I've gone to Drive Tribe. There's not a whole heck of a lot going on there. Well, folks, sad news after five years of being in service, they are finally shutting down Drive Tribe here at the end of January. So if you need to, you know, pull down your posts, grab your pictures, whatever have you, Drive Tribe will be no more. It is morphing into an Instagram only, you know, kind of like swag type of marketing thing. So that's what it's turning into, but that is no more. So I will say this, it's also a great opportunity for folks to maybe go and check out one of our partners, Garage Riot. You know, Garage Riot is a social media platform for car enthusiasts and petrol heads and whatnot. It's uh, free of charge based here out of the United States, but very similar to other social media platforms that you're used to, you know, like Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, but designed for petrol heads by petrol heads. So check out garageriot.com when you get a chance. So I spend a lot of time looking at posts on Instagram and most of my feed is full of car stuff and tuners and wheels and rotiform this and, you know, centerline that and this and that and the other thing. It popped on my feed not long ago. Somebody posted that the infamous and slightly cult classic Ronal teddy bear wheels were making a comeback. In the used market or new new no price they didn't say who you know if ronal was going to make them but there are images or renderings of what they would look like today a deep dish wheel which is uncommon these days with high offset wheels coming on pretty much every car gold rivets you know they actually paint the caricatures of the bear in black instead of just the traditional all silver wheel that they had created you know back in the 80s and 90s you know famous on all the mark three volkswagens all those folks they, they love those wheels but yeah apparently the ronal teddy bear might be making to come back. So I am definitely going to give up my spot in line for those to anybody else that would like it. <laughs> those only look good on a Mark III Volkswagen. Pretty much. And, you know, there's been some other interesting wheels. I'm going to call them interesting that have come out lately, like the new, um, I think they were rotiforms that they're square, but they're Harlequin. So they look like waffles. They look cool on like this big Atlas Toreg harlequin thing that they did but i'm like i don't see the application except for this one specific build i don't think it would look good in my car and i think it would just look silly these things are cool if you're building a specific type of style or look but yeah definitely not for me it would be cool like in a paperweight size keychain i go with keychains i would memorabilia type stuff it would be pretty slick my daughters would love this So other things that lowered our expectations here over the winter, there was a gentleman that broke the motorcycle cannonball record. And basically he was quoted as saying when interviewed, you know, what did you think? He goes, I would not recommend. (laughs) Well, that's just because he wants to keep his record intact. Maybe, but I mean, there's no other way to say this. It's got to be a ball buster to ride cross country like that nonstop on a motorcycle. I mean, not even that. I mean, cause there are some comfortable motorcycles, but to, to do that, it's dangerous as hell. I mean, he had an average speed of almost 87 miles an hour with stopping for fuel and everything. His average was 87 miles an hour. I mean, he must've been flying. Yeah. He was booking. It took what? 36 hours for him to do this. Yeah. 35 hours and some odd minutes. 
I mean, he's driving through the night and doing 90, 100, 150 miles an hour in some stretches. No bueno. No, thank you. Yeah, no thanks either. And can you imagine the noise that motorcycle made at wide open throttle for 35 hours? That alone would drive me insane. Right? But, but it would also get you a hefty fine in New York. New York is cracking down on loud exhaust because they've got the the straight pipe. People were straight piping their cars, cutting out the mufflers and cutting out the uh, the catalytic converters, you know, and straight piping their cars to sound like gunshots. And it's dangerous around the city of New York and pedestrians and all the, the homeowners there are so scared of these cars. It sounds so terrible. So New York is fining people for loud exhaust, aftermarket exhaust thousand dollars if they they don't impound your car well they also said that because of lockdowns and because people being bored there were people street racing down the streets and very loud cars which was disruptive now i get their civil liberties get their feelings hurt and they should be allowed to have as loud a car as they want but sometimes when you go home and you're done dealing with the bs and stupidity of people You want to retire to your home in silence and peace and not have morons doing burnouts at 2 a.m. waking you up in the middle of the night. But if there are morons street racing and doing burnouts at 2 a.m., their exhaust is not the problem. The problem is that they're doing burnouts and street racing at 2 in the morning. We're avoiding the fact that this is all, I'm not going to say all, it's probably 90% Mark 7 and Mark 8 GTI owners, right? That all sound like gunshots. Because do you know any other car that has that stupid feature that you could do it from idle and everything else? Like every third freaking video on TikTok is some GTI making that sound all the time. It drives me nuts. It does, we don't need that. Feels like it's all VAG products to me, but you know what? I'm, I'm hating on my own kind, but I think they sound like shit. I'm just going to be totally upfront about it. <laughs> Speaking of stupidity on the roads, if they're not making noise, what's happening on 395 lately? They're driving backwards. <laughs> Wait, what? You heard that right. To avoid traffic jams, people are driving backwards. So they're reversing on 395 in DC and Northern Virginia. To go where? Because they missed their into to another traffic to the, jam. The, 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 yeah, to go back to the previous exit that they passed. So you're driving through a traffic jam. So that would imply cars in front of you, cars beside you, cars behind you. No, they yeah. see the traffic jam ahead. So they put it in reverse, then go the speed. wrong way. At yeah. speed. Yeah. Which your automatic won't let you do. <laughs> okay, so they slam on their brakes come to a stop quickly throw it in reverse they get the arm over the seat rest all right backup camera nobody does that anymore boomer backup camera okay so two hands on the wheel backup camera steering left and right because they don't know which way the car turns when it's in reverse which way the steering wheel goes so they're confused they're slaloming to get to the exit ramp so that they can back down the wrong way on an exit ramp so the public service announcement here is They may have changed the laws about driving on the shoulder, but it is still illegal to back up on the highway and then take an exit ramp. Oh, they're on the shoulder doing this. I thought they were in the lanes of traffic. They're in the lanes. Oh, they're in the lanes? I understood it as backing up the shoulder, which is technically illegal, but whatever. Backing Uh, up anywhere is illegal. (laughs) Unless it's into a space or your driveway. (laughs) It's illegal to do on a public road. 
You know what could be causing these traffic jams, forcing people to back up on 395 and take an exit ramp? What? Being Florida man. <laughs> a Florida man tractor trailer driver uh, not adhering to the clearance restrictions for the bridge he's about to drive under? That never happens. That didn't happen and a bridge didn't shift. <laughs> In Georgia. Well, in this particular case, it happened to be an Amazon semi truck, and now explains why my package has been marked lost. So he was right. just trying to, like, you know, pull back the top of the truck so he could access the packages quicker. And, you know, uh, like Santa Claus, just it's yeah. you know, throw them out there. Woo! He's just opening the can, which is literally what it looks like. <laughs> now, this next one made me smile, and it's just so Italian. Why not? A car that has not moved in forty-seven years. It has earned its right to become a monument. <laughs> Just like all the other piles of rock that are left randomly in places. I love the fact that this gentleman, Angelo, who is now 94 years old, parked his car in front of his house in 1974 and has never driven it since. Damn, that's awesome. <laughs> you know why he's never driven it? Because it's a Lancia. <laughs> it is a 62 Fulvia. It is a car that is slightly sought after, even though it is kind of boxy and utilitarian. But I just think it's hilarious. And you know what? The next time over in Italy, I'm going to go get my picture taken with this new monument. And this is a monument to Petrolheads. This is awesome. So Italian. What does this monument say about Petrolheads, though? The fact that it hasn't moved in 47 years. Hey, it ran and drove when it was parked. <laughs> I know what I have, no low balls. So there was some rumors that Brad Pitt was going to be making some sort of Formula One movie and that, you know, oh, maybe Lewis Hamilton was going to be in it or, or somehow consult on it or something like that. You know, it was all very fresh at the time, but as the weeks go by, we're getting a little bit more information and now we're learning that Apple... So I guess this will end up on Apple TV. Apple and Brad Pitt are working together on this Formula One kind of inspired drama. When this was first announced, I actually made the comment, what is this just going to be driven with Formula One cars, which was that Sylvester Stallone hot trash movie where they were driving indie cars around whatever the hell city it was, which allegedly I think that movie was originally supposed to be Formula One cars. So we're finally making the movie we intended to make back then, but with Brad Pitt starring in it. So we know it's just going to be better, right? No. I'm always down for a car movie, good, bad, or whatever. I mean, we've started an entire sub show of Break Fix where we review bad car movies. So I'm going to add this to our list when it comes out. It'll be interesting to see as this progresses and we learn more what exactly it's going to develop into. It's not looking. I feel like it should be Tom Cruise. Wait, we already did that movie too. I feel like this is going to be Troy with helmets. That's what this is going to be. Can Eric Bana play the bad guy? At least he's a car guy. So this last one is pretty interesting. I think speaks very badly for humans. Because when your goldfish can successfully drive its fishbowl tank and you can't even navigate to the grocery store without hitting something, I think we need to reassess ourselves. I am so confused by all of this. Scientists trained a goldfish to drive a fish-operated vehicle, which was their little fish bowl on, like, wheels, essentially. <laughs> it's life aquatic. 
when does Bill Murray pop out? But they tested this in different ways to see if it was like the fish just picked up the routine because I don't know, like where the fish looked is where it went. It's fishbowl drove apparently. And so I think they did something with like colored lights on the ground. And, and so they were trying to get the fish to go somewhere and the fish followed the route. And if they changed the route, it followed the route. <laughs> It understood the directions and could do it. It wasn't just like, oh, it did it once and it just kept doing the same thing over again. So I can destroy that. this whole grossly overpaid government grant in one move. All I need to do is put a plastic castle in the middle of wherever <laughs> this thing is. And suddenly you will see that goldfish just doing donuts. <laughs> No, but what's interesting, though, and fascinating to learn more about, I didn't know that a goldfish's vision was that great. And now consider the fact that it's seeing everything so bizarrely twisted through the water and then the glass bowl and the surface reflections and the curvature, but it could drive its fish bowl successfully to its destination. I mean, do you remember Drew Carey's glasses from the Drew Carey show back in the day? I mean, that's probably the equivalent, right? He's allowed to drive a car. (laughs) In his defense, he has gotten laser. But oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, these are what some scientists are doing lately. Getting fish to drive their fish holes. Oh, your tax dollars at work. And that is why COVID is still a thing. Speaking of both of those things. Because we're teaching fish to drive. (laughs) I mean, speaking of both of those things, your tax dollars at work and COVID being a thing, why don't we talk about Florida man stories while we're at it? Florida man, Florida man. We don't have any rich people doing rich people things this time? Not this time. Because that Razor scooter hasn't gone into production yet so actually i would say the dimitri mazepin buys son new f1 chassis kind of qualifies for rich people doing rich people things (laughs) you know you're right about that you are absolutely right about that (laughs) you compete with his own teammate jesus (laughs) terrible I mean, it's okay. about as terrible as this limousine. This record-setting 100-foot-long Cadillac limousine is the world's largest limo, and it is in the hands of a Florida man, and it is currently being restored. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's got a but, helicopter on the back. Uh, so I quickly lost interest in that when I saw that there was a Ferrari F40 with 10 wheels. Yeah, that's way cooler. An eight-seater, and I'm like, why? That's actually a Fiero. Don't even go there. It's made to look like a, I mean, the freaking Ferrari symbol is like three feet long on the hood. I mean, and then there's that double wide. I don't even know what that thing is. It's like two cars conjoined twins together. And it's got like a swimming pool in the back. And this is all stuff I would see in the kids part of Hershey Park. Like they all look like amusement park rides. I mean, they're just, they're insane. Where did these come from? Like, I'm disappointed that the article didn't explain like the history of these bizarre cars that apparently were on display somewhere because there's like even freaking like the American dream J Orberg star cars, Hollywood, California. What? There's even like a model that like stands in front of them and stuff. I think my favorite, though, is the Pepto Pink Mercedes with the heart-shaped hot tub in the trunk. That thing is legit awesome. Although I'm easily distracted and there was a Haggerty ad with a Corrado on it, so I clicked on that and I kind of moved on from this pretty quickly. (laughs) 
wanted to see what that was all about. So what else is going on in Florida? Moving on. So we're in Florida again, of course. Now, say you get into, I don't know, a little parking dispute. You're angry at your neighbor's parking habits. It's happened to all of us, right? Sometimes just like, who is this joker parking their car in front of my property? Even though I don't own the street there, I don't want your car parked in front. How would you, as a normal person, as a non-Floridian, handle that? I'd piss and moan and stomp my feet and do nothing about it. Nunchucks. Have you thought about a flamethrower? Damn. Is this guy Charles Bronson? Yeah. He's Andre something. And he decided to get himself three counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon with intention to kill as he brandished the flames from the flamethrower at his neighbors who parked in front of his house. Wait, 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 wait. Was the neighbor in the vehicle at the time of the offense? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, okay. They were like teenagers getting out of the car and he like turned the flamethrower on on them. That is. This is like the ultimate get off my lawn. That's some buck wild manure right there. Wow. That is, that's intense. He denies, of course, targeting them, but. Don't park in front of my house. The char marks on the side of the car weren't evidence enough of this of the assault. <laughs> they said they wanted to add flames. <laughs> These Florida man stories play out like people's court. Also in Florida, so I think too many Fast and the Furious movies, too many of these, uh, what was the other one with Statham with the transporter movies? Yeah, drives, yeah. The, drives the Audi out of the parking garage and all that stuff. Well, for reasons unbeknownst, somebody drove off an eight-story parking garage. Yes! And uh, how did that end? You know what? He lived. Don't know why his 2015 Ford Explorer. It's always a Ford, isn't it? Yeah, right. Apparently it was like in the middle of the afternoon and it happened to like, I don't know, it landed upside down, was caught in like a cable, was also like hanging off. Maybe that helped smooth the impact. Yeah, no real explanation, I don't think. Drugs is the explanation. Probably because flew off a building, landed upside down. He got out of the car and ran. (laughs) Two blocks. Is this the automotive equivalent of when people throw shoes on the power lines? Like you just throw your car on the power lines? Looking at this car, how the hell did he get out of it? I don't know how he survived. I love his wheel studs. They're like three inch long spikes. Bodicier spikes. <laughs> right. Yes. I noticed those the first time. I mean, good on him that he survived. Who knows what that story is, but only in Florida. I don't think good on him. It was a failed suicide attempt. That's what that was. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Well, you wouldn't have gotten out and ran. Physics, True. people. Physics. Pay attention. <laughs> well, they've, they've definitely beefed up that rollover capability of the Ford Explorers, if nothing else. Stealing cars, not a good thing. Shouldn't do this, right? Everyone has their own way of doing it. I think we talked about the guys that went with a front loader forklift to steal motorcycles or something, right? And then drove whatever it was across railroad tracks on it. And it's always ballsy when they're stealing them from dealerships, right? Versus parking lot or something like that. What if you went to the dealership to steal the car naked? <laughs> This brings us to our sub-segment of Florida Man. It's Naked Florida Man. You know, he just somehow was there naked at the dealership, got into a 2021 Ram truck that was in a painting booth, packed it out, and drove it off. I mean, if I was the sales guy and it was a Dodge Dart, I would have just given him the keys. I'm like, man, you really need this. 
<laughs> you really but, need to go away. <laughs> but he stole it out of the paint booth. Was it his own truck? Was he stealing it back? Who knows? Like that guy from New Jersey who came out running with the guns naked. There's a picture of this guy. Clothed or not clothed? <laughs> to answer everybody's question, drugs. It's always Florida man, right? We give the Florida man a hard time. Then that's not fair. To spread the joy a little bit here and, and to be fair, how about Florida woman? Oh, and how about a Florida shit. woman leading police on a wild golf course chase? And not in a golf cart. Oh? No, in an SUV. Looks like a Toyota 4Runner. It does look like a Toyota 4Runner. It doesn't say what it is, but it does look like a 4Runner. So something of that nature. She's doing a little off-road. She looks like when Lieutenant Weigel from Reno 911 does the prostitute bit. Like, I don't... What is this outfit? Take a look at it and that you don't even need to talk anymore. What is she wearing? She looks drugs again. And she led a police chase on a golf course in not a golf cart. This just hurts so much. Watch out, Florida man. Florida woman. I will say that's the most off-roading that that Toyota has done in its entire life. So there you go. Round out the women here a little bit. Texarkana or Texarkana. Potato, patata. This woman in her Camaro, it's orange Camaro with black stripes, please. These are important details. Was stopped for, I think, something minor, so to speak. Felony forgery charge, not minor, but minor compared to how this turned out. (laughs) One could argue, relatively speaking. So she's pulled over, resisting arrest. She doesn't turn her car off, which you're supposed to do when you're pulled over. She locked herself in her car, et cetera, et cetera. Cops come up, you know, get out of the car. No, no, no. The police officer being savvy as he was, pulled out some spike strip, put it down, presumably in, I don't know where, in front of his cruiser as he's going back to his car to do whatever. And then she decides she's going to make her break, reverses the Camaro into his cruiser enough, or at least wherever he put, maybe he put the spikes directly behind her car. She blows out three of the four tires on the Camaro, but this does not stop the Camaro. This does not stop whatever tires were put on this car from the factories. So props to those tires because she proceeds to get on the highway going a hundred miles an hour. With three spike strip blown out tires and one good tire till eventually she exits the highway. The car becomes disabled. Presumably the tires are by OnStar. (laughs) Three out of gas. She's on the side of the interstate when they catch up to her. Her foot planted, as the article says, her foot planted firmly on the accelerator as the wheels spun uselessly. What did she break? (laughs) All of it. So not only did she have the felony forgery charge, she also had evading arrest and resisting arrest. So good on you. All of the fun facts and figures, the super fun facts of this article are all negated once you reach the comment section of the article, which I will not repeat any of them except for maybe one. I mean, the one that got me though is the guy who says, I'd buy that car from Salvage, fix it up and park it in front of the jail. Oh my God. I'm like, oh my dude, really? They're they're pretty, they're pretty rough. To look at them later. You know, I had not looked at them. You will be in tears. And for anybody that wants to see them, they'll be in the show notes when you click on the article. Well, we will end Florida Man 
on a good note, which we don't oh, normally do. That, that never so, happens. You know, this is a good-hearted Florida man, and I'm not saying that in any way that this is going to turn funny, but, you know, back in, you know, December or whenever it was, those horrible tornadoes that leveled parts of Kentucky, this Florida man with his tractor trailer was taking donations, filling up his truck with food items and other necessities, and he was going to drive all the way up from Florida to those folks in need and deliver all those items before Christmas time. So look at that nice heartwarming. That is awesome. Round of applause for that Florida man. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for redeeming all the previous sins of the year. You, sir, are a saint. (laughs) Well, I guess it's time for us to go behind the wall and quickly talk about motorsports news. The racing season ends for us here locally usually around the late October, early November timeframe, but in other parts of the world where there's lots of sand and no ocean, you know, they're still running Formula One races and, you know, Dakar and all this other kinds of stuff. And so there's always little tidbits of news here and there. But as we lead into the opening of the next racing season, which Rolex is right around the corner in January 29th and 30th weekend here in Florida yet again. So maybe some interesting Florida stories. The news from the NASCAR world is Jacques Villeneuve, former Formula One champ and IndyCar 500 champ, is going to make a run at the Daytona 500, which is coming up after Rolex. So curious to see how that turns out. I mean, he's basically kind of coming out of retirement to go run in NASCAR. I mean, yay. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about open wheel news. What's hot and what's not? An IndyCar in Formula One. What's not hot is that Williams died. Frank Williams, the uh, I guess the team founder for the Williams F1 team, he passed away at age 79. His daughter was, I think, was daughter or granddaughter, was running the team and owned the team. And I think the Williams team sold last year to an investment firm, Doralton Capital. So, and they're still yeah. going to be the backmarkeriest backmarker team of all of Formula One, right? Well, they're going to have some competition with Haas. I was going to say, <laughs> gonna say doing, they've been doing pretty well. But they also, they're losing George Russell because George Russell is going to be Lewis Hamilton's teammate for the coming season. So they've got the new, I I think they're the ones with the new Chinese driver from Formula 2 that's that's moving up. So who knows? They'll be battling for worse five. But there's other sad news in Formula 1. The king has been dethroned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lewis Hamilton lost. He is no longer the reigning champion. That title has gone to Max Verstappen due to some late lap final race heroics on his part. It was a complete farce. And I mean, whoever camp you're in, you're not completely happy, I guess, unless you're a Max Verstappen fan, but whatever. Daniel Ricciardo won a won a race this year, so I'm happy. Any podium, that's all that matters. Yeah, and I mean, there's lots of memes and lots of stuff. I mean, people are even posting about, hey, don't forget about science. You know, he had a great year despite all the drama that's going on. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll pay attention next year. <laughs> You'll have to convince me. If you're looking to pay attention this year coming up, you would like to know that come February, the teams start unveiling their new cars for the 2022 oh. season. So the schedule goes. Aston Martin's first on February 10th, then McLaren on February 11th, Ferrari is the 17th, and then Alfa Romeo is to be announced along with everybody else, Alfa Sorry, Alpine, Alpine, Haas, Mercedes, Red Bull, they're all, you know, after those dates. 
So once I see the first one, I'm good, right? Basically, yeah. All the cars are, because of the new regulations and everything, all the cars are should be very close to each other. Yeah, yeah. And there, I'm sure there's silliness and chicanery about all of them, that, you know, ridiculous wings and, and all that kind of stuff. If, if you watch Aston, the Aston Martin, then it's going to be the exact same car as the Mercedes because that's what they got in trouble for. Yeah, right. I just year. wish Formula One would go back to the old days where they could build their own chassis and their own bodies and do their own engines and, and be all over the map i mean i just feel like you know it's like i rock they're all in little go-karts and they're all the same and you know change the paint color from red to pepto to green and the, you call them a different team i don't know it's basically the nascar of the open wheel world oh, you wait, know that's some car oh wait yeah never mind because some people were saying for a while there you know indycar was the hottest thing on tv it was the, it was the racing to watch and still have a hard time believing that i still think imsa is is the way to go it's some of the best racing i mean outside of a race like the mint 400 you know and some of those big off-road races where you can get really close to the trucks and the drivers imps is the same way there's just this 10-foot pole between us the fans and the racing itself and it feels too marketing heavy and just it's too much of a circus and i don't know it's, it's kind of turned me off i mean granted in the wrc world you can't get close anymore you know because of the deaths and the safety and all that and it's still they're just bonkers wrc is absolutely nuts i gotta tune in because finland and on all those big races in sweden and whatnot are happening now here in the middle of winter so I'm, I'm looking forward to wrc season kicking off you know tuning into red bulls coverage they do an excellent job for those that are probably gonna work and i watch a rally race i've said it time and time again red bull tv for free in 4k check it out there is some exciting news coming for imsa and that would be that the pony wars kick off again in 2024 so team corvette versus Ford. I mean, they've had it rumored for a while that with these reclassings, they're going to be able to merge GT4 cars and etc. into the IMSA series. So it'd be cool to see Corvettes go against Mustangs, although that's kind of like apples and chainsaws, in my opinion. Yeah, it should see, be Camaros. Yeah, for Mustangs and Camaros, for sure. I would love to see the return of the Ford GT, but that's not on the horizon anytime soon, at least not from the news that we're seeing. So curious to see where that goes, but I feel like it's a day late and a dollar short. Like all the big names are showing up for the 100th. They're all showing up for 23. Ford, what are you waiting for? You know, put a car in GT3 or, or GTLM or whatever it is now and go for it. I mean, what, what are they waiting for? I don't, I don't you know, it. I'm holding on hope, like much like the reveal of the Ford, of the most recent Ford GT. It was a complete surprise. Nobody knew it was coming. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that for Lamar. In 2023. Yeah, yeah, but this is saying 2024. That's too late. Nobody cares. I mean, the 101st is just as important as the 100th, but, you know, whatever. But let's talk about other firsts, as in the 61st running of Rolex. Uh, They say it's going to be the biggest field in years. There's currently 60 cars on the roster. I mean, it's a good round number. It's better than previous years. It's been kind of wah-wah. I mean, I watch Rolex religiously, along with Le Mans and the Petite and things like that. It's been a bit of a bummer when, you know, you do look at the GTLM field, especially and Porsche's pulled out and so on and so forth. And it's just Corvette running around. So to see more cars in there is great. When I looked at the field and I'm like LMP three and I'm like, yeah, just what we need, you know, more cookie cutter LMP cars, but you know, I'm still going to watch it. It's still going to be entertaining. And uh, we have some really cool things planned for that weekend. So stay tuned for more news on that. 
And in the virtual world, there's been some big news, a bit of a shakeup there. iRacing has always been kind of off on its own, doing its own thing, you know, keeping up those Xbox 360 graphics that it's known for. And they made an announcement recently that they bought Monster Games, teasing that they're going to make things that are more appealing to a broader market like consoles. So you might see things like iRacing come to your PS5 or your Xbox Series X that you can't buy in stores. I'm actually really happy about this because I do think that as good as iRacing is, it needs influence from some other parties that can bring higher quality graphics and things like that to the platform, better UI. I mean, everything feels I hate to say kind of kludgy and, and really dated, you know, when you look at it, it doesn't have that fresh look that like a Codemasters platform has or Forza or something like that. So they definitely need a facelift. The physics engine is good, but they could do with a little bit of help. So switching gears really quick to local news. Uh, as I mentioned, Rolex is coming up here the weekend of January 29th and 30th. It's the 61st running. And because of everything that's going on in the world these days, it still seems okay. we're a little bit hot and cold on COVID. We've decided that instead of holding our traditional Rolex viewing party, which is usually hosted by Brad and his lovely wife, we're going to go back to virtual this year and we're going to make it an action-packed weekend. So if you go to our website and you look at club events and click on the Rolex 24 hours weekend, you'll see that we've packed in there several virtual races. Uh, we're doing awards nights some happy hours, viewing parties. We're even getting together with the folks from Garage Riot for a soft relaunch of their new platform. Let's talk about that. You get to meet Donovan, things like that. So it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of things planned for that 24 hour race. And obviously it's going to be centered around the Rolex. And so that's a lot of fun. So look for more details on that. We're still planning out the rest of the year. So look forward to events like Summer Bash and Animal House and the Cannibal Run and all these kinds of things as we look at the bigger schedule and we get our information from our friends over at hpdjunkie.com. So a quick HPD Junkie trackside report. You know, what's coming in February, March? Well, you know, I caught up with Dave Peters recently. I spoke to him and he said right now they have over a thousand events loaded into their system and they're looking at nearly doubling that number by the end of January. So right around Rolex weekend, the database should be fully loaded and they're capturing events from all across North America. So that's the US and Canada combined. And, you know, all your favorite providers, you know, be it Hooked on Driving, PCA, EMRA, SCCA, you know, NASA, whoever, all of that information all in one spot, you know, search by the date, search by the location, by the provider, and then figure out what your schedule looks like. So now's a great time to do that. And just know that they're loading more and more information in there. And if you're a track event provider and your schedule isn't on hpdjunkie.com, reach out to Dave Peters and get Get your information out there because there are so many eyes looking at that site every day, every week, every month to try to plan out what our calendars look like. So always a great resource. We love working with Dave and we look forward to seeing him again this year at one of the events. We got together with him at Carolina Motorsports Park. So we're hoping to do that again this year. And in case you missed out, check out the other podcast episodes that aired earlier this winter. We talked all things BMW with Donovan from Garage Riot and James Clay from Bimmer World. David L. Middleton from MIE Racing returned to the show and introduced us to BTCC pro racer Rob Holland. We learned about the oldest off-road race in America, known as the Mint 400, and our guest Matt Martelli also gave us the inside scoop on Jim Khanna and growing up with Ken Block on our bonus Patreon Minnesota. We went shopping with Heel Tread and Petrobox and learned about fire safety with up-and-coming brand PMX. 
You would be remiss if you missed out on our all Tesla retrospective from last month. We talked collector cars with Chris Bright of Collector Part Exchange, CPX, and not so collector cars with our B-Sides, Ugly Cars, Patreon re-release, and stories about the compound with Nate and Emily. And finally, we learned about the history and evolution of our home away from home, where else? Summit Point Motorsports Park. Thank you to everyone that came on the show this month, and please look forward to more great episodes this spring. Big shout outs to our new Patreon supporters. Who do we have? Uh, This winter, we've added Emily Fox, Romano Conti, Brett Sonnerby, Sam Harrington, and Andrew Maureen. Very cool. And thank you guys for supporting GTM, supporting Break Fix. You know, without you folks, none of this would be possible and every little bit helps. And remember, as a Patreon subscriber, it gives you early access to behind the scenes content, bonus content, mini-sodes, all sorts of other things that we post out on Patreon first. So we want to reward those folks. Obviously, we design also special swag and there's other giveaways and things like that. Gives you access to all sorts of other perks, part of being a GTM supporter through Patreon. So we appreciate everybody doing that and we look forward to your help in the future. In addition to our Patreon supporters, we'd like to shout out our anniversaries. We've got Marissa Cannon, Mike Pepitone, Chris Schaub, and Sean Roberts. That's right. And a special thanks to our guest hosts, me, for coming back. Yay, Brad. We love having you back, Brad. It has been too long and it's good to have your voice on the radio with us. And, you know, it hasn't been the same. We're glad for you and Adrian, your boys happy and healthy and all that. And we look forward to seeing them at the track and Mm -hmm. to the next, you know, break fix episode. So welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Tanya, for uh, putting this all together for us. Our executive (laughs) (laughs) co-producer. Sorry, we ran out of time for Matt Damon. You'll have to catch him next week. And until next month. Bye. Cars in back of us, all just waiting to order. There's some idiot in a Volvo with his bright sun behind me. I lean out the window and scream, Hey, what you trying to do? Blind me. My wife says maybe we should talk. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gummy Bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash gtmotorsports. And remember... Without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.